the greatest sports talk radio show going today. That's right, Blow the Whistle. With your host, Brandon Stats Januska. The White Sox are all in. They need to at least make it to the American League Championship Series. And even that might not be enough. Tyler Butterball Butterball. Lonzo Ball, he's one heck of a playmaker. And he's going to set these guys up open. He's going to set up Levine, now DeRozan, Vooch. He's going to be able to set these guys open. And last year, 37.8% from three-point. That's pretty darn good. And David Double D Dykstra. Texas will be lucky to be 500. Oklahoma will be lucky to get out of there with no more than three losses. Like, they're, they're going into conferences where they're going to get shellacked. Hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BlowTWhistle1. That's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. And now, here's Brandon, Tyler, and David. We are back. That's right. The Blow the Whistle crew has officially graduated from Sports Emphasis here at the <laughs> Illinois Media School, Woo! and we are back on the air after a two-week hiatus. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're all here. Full crew is here. I'm Brandon Januska here with Tyler Buterbaugh. David Dykstra. And I'm somebody else new, too. Yeah, <laughs> new-ish. Uh, we've got Andrew Valentin with us, uh, a recurring Hi, guest that we bring on. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, the whole crew is here. I mean, and as long as we don't have to pay him, I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, we are back after two Listen, weeks. as long as I don't have to pay you guys and you don't have to pay me, it's fine. Yeah, yeah there it's, we go. That's right. Back. Even though we took a, a Dykstra vacation, but right. we're we're back. Yes. That's right. A, a wow. Dykstra-like vacation. But we are all back. And okay. happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Hope everyone had a safe Safe Halloween, anyone that went trick-or-treating. But before we get into our actual candy. discussions, of of course, be sure to follow us, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. And we also want to thank everyone for listening, including the Under the Hood podcast listeners. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening to us. First off, before we get into the actual sports content, what kind of costumes did you guys like from the weekend? I saw one sports-related, Miles Garrett, dressed as the Grim Reaper or the Sax Reaper. He had the Grim Reaper costume with the names of every quarterback he's ever sacked on the back of it. We want to know what you guys like. Send us pictures. Send us your thoughts on what were the best Halloween costumes in sports or not in sports that you guys saw. Let us know. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. What did you guys see? One interesting thing I saw, not sports related at all, but I don't even know exactly what he was dressed up as, but he had a mullet wig on and he had an he made an inflate one of those inflatable costumes and it looked like he was riding a turkey. <laughs> so I, I I don't know what yeah. exactly it was, but it was kinda interesting to see. And it was really funny when he would inflate it and the, the head of the the turkey came up yeah. from in front of him, so <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah, uh, I I saw obviously I, I, the Aaron Rodgers thing. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, it was really cool." I didn't really like it. Uh, the John Wake look, I wasn't too impressed with that. Uh, the Khalil Herbert one was good. 
Uh, I want that suit, whatever it was, the Rocket yeah. Man, where he in that. That's a great look. That I love. I love that costume. Uh, and the other one that I saw this week was uh, Billy Bob from Varsity Blues. Uh, I saw somebody just yesterday who was walking around with the pig and the uh, syrup in his hand and everything. I bacon. thought it was fantastic. It, it, fantastic. Bacon Hat and all. Yeah, bacon and all. Bacon and all. <laughs> I give it a tan. Absolutely. <laughs> Mother freaking tan. Um, my favorite was actually while I was watching the. Uh, the Bears game, and it was just the timing of it. A lady at the Bears game was dressed up as Flo from a gr- oh, Progressive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they came back from a Progressive commercial. Mm-hmm. She was right there, and I was just like, okay, that was really good. Yep. Whoever that cameraman was, was <laughs> on it. Perfectly on it. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of great ones out there. So, again, you heard what we liked and what we saw. Let us know if you guys saw something better. If you guys saw something you really liked, hit us up. Send us pictures. We want to know what the best costumes out there were. And now, into the actual games. We're going to start off our first hour here with bears and nfl talk that's all or and college football as well football talk football. for football. the first hour and then we'll move into some other sports and of course you're killing me smalls later on in the show but to start off we are starting with the bears another loss on, on the record <laughs> it's not even a surprise I mean, else is new like, like, oh come on guys now there were some super positives that came out of this there game were. but you know, it's hard to I find mean, them. It, not really. I felt like there, there were positives there were. in this game, but this is a game that if you look at the Bears' schedule, they're in a rough stretch right now. Yeah. This was one of the winnable ones. This was a game that they, oh, was absolutely they definitely game. had a chance to win, and they came out flat. They couldn't get it done. We'll get into more of that in a, in a second, but first off, it wasn't Matt Nagy out there. It was yes, Chris it was. Tabor. I will, I will say, I will say this. I will say this right now, and I'm gonna be real honest with you. It was a Matt took Nagy the hat off, folks. It's it, gonna get hot here. It, it was a Matt Nagy game in my eyes, just for the pure fact that once again, and this, I can honestly say from a a football perspective, the Chicago Bears are probably the worst team in the NFL with making adjustments during the game. I, they don't make adjustments, so I can't even say yeah. making adjustments during the game. You saw it in that first that first drive in the second half. That defense for the 49ers starts keying on the run. Mm-hmm. Khalil's not getting the lanes that he was. You need to make adjustments. Obviously, the 49ers made adjustments at halftime because all of a sudden that run game pops out of nowhere for the 49ers, and they're starting to take chunks out of that defense. And you can say what you want about, you know, the age of our, of the bears defense and what have you. But if you make adjustments in in game to, to make up for the things that they're doing to beat you, you should be able to hold off and win that game. I mean, you should be able to, but I, and listen, Chris Tabor is a, a veteran coach. He's seen a lot. He knows a lot. I mean, there's a lot of talk that, Obviously, there could be a chance that he even progresses as a coach out of special teams into something more at some point. But nevertheless, what we saw, I, I agree. It, it was definitely like a Matt Nagy-esque type game. The biggest issue, though, I think, is the fact that on both sides of the ball, you saw, well, like, uh, yes, there were positives. There was plenty of obvious Bears mistakes that they always make, right? Defense missed tackles at the wrong key moments, right? Absolutely. The Debo Samuel thing was a huge one that you have to make that play. You cannot. They the, the 49ers never punted. You have to force those four and outs. You have to be able to do that. And offensively, they just never seem to 
they, they made plays, but they never seemed to be in a rhythm. They seemed kind of scattered. And when they made plays, it was big. They were big moments when they made those opportunities count. But they never seemed to get in a rhythm of either getting the running attack to work or getting the pass, setting up the passing attack to make your, make those big plays on the outside numbers and over the middle. I would disagree with you. I think second half they weren't in a rhythm <laughs> because the 49ers took them out of their rhythm. That first half they looked like they were in a rhythm. They had, they knew what they wanted to do, and they had a great game plan in that first half. But, unfortunately, this is the NFL where coaches right. make adjustments at halftime, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And if you don't adjust to those adjustments, you're going to get your butts beat. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah, no, I mean... Like you said, David, the first half, they seemed like they had, like the offense at least, had much more control over the ball. They were actually like on the field for more than just being going three and out and punting every time. Right. So they were actually keeping control. They This to me was probably, in my opinion, was one of the better offensive games that the Bears have had. Defensively, though, it, it was just rough. I know we're going to get that to that later. But like... Nice tease. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, yeah, it was just... Um, Justin Fields to me, this was probably his best game. Oh, this was a breakout game of his, for him. of his career of his time this season, and he did a lot. And we all saw that marvelous run that he had. Yes. That almost kind of looked like a Trubisky thing from a couple of years back. But let's, don't, let's, don't, 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 don't put that shit on him. Lamar sorry. Jackson, fine. You don't go. See, I, I, was, Lamar Jackson. I was going I was Bears actually, related. I was actually going to say. Not, I don't think that's Lamar Jackson, Jackson esque. I think that's more of a, a, a Patrick Mahomes esque. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it wasn't a straight up designed, designed run. Right. run. Yeah. It was him going, oh, oh. poo, yeah. my offensive line did not block for me again. Yeah. Let me <laughs> scramble, scramble, scramble. Oh, oh, look, a lane, and yeah. he's got the speed like Patrick Mahomes does. To, to catch that corner and, and make moves and get where he needs to get. Yeah. Just Although, real quick. to your point, I'll back you up real quick. Mitch Trubisky did have some good runs during his time. He did have, he did, and I'll pull some <laughs> up did. for you. He did have some good he runs did. where he, he rolled out. In that 2018 season particularly, yes. he had some plays where he created with his legs. So, to your credit, yes, yeah. he did have plays on the similar b- to this. going with the Bears. But, but why would you put that? View? Why would you put that juju out? Yeah, there? we yeah, don't want anything else from him. But he had no, those no, plays. No he can stay in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any of that back in Chicago. Yes. <laughs> the greatest backup ever yes. since Frank Wright in Buffalo. <laughs> uh, uh, no, yeah. I, <laughs> Go sorry. ahead, Brandon. No, yeah, I, was, I was all out of sync on that. Sorry. Uh, no, like it just the. The thing I see with the Bears, though, I mean, like, I agree with everybody. What Justin Fields, this was a breakout game, obviously. This was huge for them, right? This was a great opportunity for him to show up because they had terrible defensive backs in San Francisco. They have nobody to really defend on that level. But even still, I mean, you saw the rookie mistakes. There were some missed opportunities that he could have had. I agree with you too, David. The interception that he threw, it was really not his fault. No. But it still charges to him nevertheless. But still, not his fault. So he still had a very good game. I just... and I, I will say, yes, the first half, there was they were definitely more in sync than they were in the second half. In the second half, the sacks started coming. You saw the defense starting to get in their face. There was a lot more disruption. I think that's where you saw the rookie tendencies starting to come out from Justin Fields and the offense. And one thing I want to point out is, obviously, we do, I mean, Justin Fields still got sacked, sacked four times. Yes. They did add another offensive lineman, rookie Larry Borum, that we have not seen at all. To me, the O-line looked slightly a little bit better. But, 
I mean, obviously there's many more whole, many more problems in that offensive line. Did you guys see a little bit of improvement on the O line with adding? Can Borum I just in there? say one thing? That poor rookie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, your first assignment, Nick Bosa. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. And I think he did. Per, I I give him yeah. a above average grade on that. Yeah. I think he did relatively quite well. I get, yeah. I'll give him average. Yeah, Bosa ended, I believe, with two sacks. Yeah. But neither was, one but, of them were while Borum was yeah. blocking him. And really, he, he didn't impact the game the way he has in some other weeks. So overall, yeah, great job of limiting what Bosa could do. And, I mean, I think the field helped with that as well as the field is all torn up. It, it yeah. rained throughout the week. But we'll get into the defensive side as well. The Bears defense lost a key member early in the game to injury. How did they perform without him? Find out next on Blow the Whistle. Justin Fields, very, very early Chicago Bears career. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, that was that was that was awesome. I was excited, as as y'all can see. We didn't get the outcome that we wanted today, but we're just gonna keep keep back and uh, keep, keep going. Highlights courtesy of Fox, and you heard it there. The Bears defense had a little bit of issues uh, throughout the the game yesterday, and they came up flat. Really, ultimately, that's. The only way I can think to put it, they, yeah. they came out flat, they got ripped apart, and they did lose a key member in Eddie Jackson early on. I know people are going to say, well, Eddie Jackson, he hasn't really done that well. He's still a presence out there. He still helps, and it hurts not to have him out there in the backfield, that ball hawk presence. So he, he left the game on the second play, and... In the end, the 49ers just ripped apart that defense, not just because of Jackson, but just in general, that defense got shredded against the Niners. Yeah, just from what I was seeing uh, out there and kind of going back to what I was saying in the last segment, this was a lot opposite. Usually, like lately, what we've seen by the Bears, offense will crap the bed and then the Bear or the, the, the defense will come and save their butts and try to keep it at a game. But what it was, it was... Offense kept the the team kept the Bears in the game, and then right when the 49ers went on field, it was just like I believe after that beautiful throw that Fields had rolling out to the left, mm-hmm. it was I believe what five plays, six plays, something like that. The 49ers came back and had that huge run gain, mm-hmm. and they just they scored a touchdown off that. It was just they 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 were not doing their part, and this was not the defense that. The, we are usually seeing by the Bears, so it was just, I mean, despite like what Brandon was saying, injuries was a huge, I think, uh, issue with this. Yeah, and to put it in perspective, the Bears had, or the, the Niners, rather, the Bears' defense was on the field for nine drives. San Francisco scored on all but two of them. The opening drive, they missed a field goal, so they got in field goal range, missed the kick, and then the final drive of the game when they were in victory formation and just need out the clock. Those were the only drives they did not score points on. See, but here's my thing. During that first half, it was bend, don't break. And I'm okay with that. You yeah. can do whatever you want, 20 to 20. I'll say it time and time again. If you're only giving up three points and your offense is cooking, the Bears didn't punt at all in that first half. Yeah, right. So, I mean, they were holding their own and holding the 49ers to field goals, which I think I think I had heard somewhere, like going into the second half, the 49ers hadn't 
scored a touchdown on the Bears in 18 quarters. Yeah, something wow. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see that. The, the last yeah. time they played, it was five. I believe it was five field goals from Robbie Gold. Yeah, it was yeah. the yeah. Robbie Gold That's revenge right. I remember game. that yep. game. Oh my! So God. yeah, it was a lot of that going on, and I'm okay with that. Give up three points if you're going down there and scoring a touchdown, or going down there and kicking a field goal. You're matching them. So at that point, the adjustments were made at halftime. Once again, we're back to the adjustments, and everything went to the wayside. And that Bears defense, especially the run defense, looked very, very vulnerable. Yeah. When you look at these two teams, obviously, a lot of it comes down to who are the coaches, right? Kyle Shanahan and obviously Matt Nagy wasn't there. But when you look at these two, people forget Kyle Shanahan right now has a losing record in his career. Matt Nagy has a winning record in his career, but Kyle Shanahan proved in this game why he gets like I was critical. I went on I went on the online and I put up a bunch of stuff like why does one coach get criticized when the other doesn't? Well, this is why because Kyle Shanahan goes into the game and says, "Okay, we are up, but we are only up by like what a point it was I think at that at halftime at that time." So you say, "Okay, we got to make the adjustments," and they did. They said we're going to go to a stronger running attack. We're going to kind of open up the holes a little bit there. We're going to let Garoppolo take the ball down the field, and we'll let him score the touchdowns if we have to. And it worked. They found the way to be able to spread out the defense. They found a way to be able to get Debo Samuel the ball in open opportunities. They they picked them apart. And I think it once again you saw Bears defense that was tired, exhausted, and frustrated. Even though they weren't on the field that much that long, the more you saw the Niners attacking them, the more you saw that team getting frustrated and getting exhausted and saying, it's the same thing again. It's just the offense was a little bit more there. That's all it was. Yeah, and I mean the coach comparison, like you said, it goes off of what David said in the first segment that good NFL coaches will adjust at halftime. They yeah. make adjustments. And that's really where the difference is between Matt Nagy and Kyle Shanahan, in my eyes, that they're both deemed good play callers. They're both deemed that they, they can come up with those creative plays, those good mix-and-match plays. But Kyle Shanahan puts them into good game-time situations, or at least better game-time yeah. situations, where Matt Nagy has the plan in his mind, I want to use this play, and sometimes he just forces it in, in a situation where it doesn't work. So that that's the difference in my eyes, at least, mm-hmm. between these two guys. And yeah, in terms of the defense, it just... It seemed like they quit, like you said. Just as the game went yeah. on, they they didn't seem to be in it. They they gave up on it. Oh yeah, what you were saying about with Nagy, it's with Nagy's play calling. It's either his way or the wrong way, right? In his yeah. in his perspective, so that's where the Bears are struggling the most mm-hmm. is getting the right person to call be calling these plays. Yeah, and I just, just Nagy needs to wake up and realize that that he's not putting the Bears in a winning situation. Yeah, he's 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 he doing it in selfishness. But, but he see, here's the thing: I don't now. think I don't think it's so much the play calling, but maybe just adjusting the the way you're going to run the ball. And I'm not I they're stacking that center because that's where Khalil Herbert was getting all of his yardage. Right. So they're all bunching in. Call a sweep for the love of a god. Call a pitch. Guys, fast enough. Call a reverse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But we also got to remember, the Bears are still have a new guy at the DC position. Right, he's he was a well, was he a lineman coach, linebacker? Well, no, it was it's defensive yeah, coach. Yeah, the side yeah he was a coach. coach. So this is his first time having control over the defense. Right, and it's 
it's a learning and pro- like learning uh, station for him. But at what point do we are we gonna expect to see this explosive defense that because he was there with um, Fangio when right. Fangio was DC? He's been here since so, 2013. He's been yeah, here he's since been here for a long time. Yeah. Good lord! Yeah, so he's seen so, it all. <laughs> so when are we? When should we expect to see? this defense be more explosive and exciting to watch because I don't know if it's a mix of, obviously it's a mix of holes that we, that the bears have mm-hmm. in their uh, roster, but it's like, it's just, we're not seeing anything exciting anymore. I said it at the beginning of the year and I'm going to say it again. They're old. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. old. Yeah. And if they're out there getting their butts handed to them on that offensive line, just getting plowed and plowed and plowed it wears on an older player way more than it does a younger player. I, I don't know how I don't understand why that rotation on that D line isn't more uh more present. Yeah. Anytime Tonga's in there, he's made holes. He's made plays. Now, granted, he's gotten called on a couple personal fouls, so I'm sure that's part of the issue. But once again, I'm gonna say that that roughing the passer call that he got called on, why was it three weeks ago or something like yeah, that? Something like that. How, oh yeah. <laughs> there's only so much you can do to stop a 335 pound man. Yeah. <laughs> and I put that in quotes right, because yeah. that's his he listing. He's probably three three fifty. Yeah. Easy. From from just falling and not breaking his arm, trying to brace himself so he doesn't fall on the on the quarterback, but. They have talent on that defense, and they're deep on that defensive line. Why are you not, because of the age of your players, rotating in fresher bodies more often? Yeah. Well, then do you expect the Bears to make some defensive traits? Because there's still teams out there that will pick up these older veteran defensive players, as we just found out that, yeah. um, why am I going blank on his name? <laughs> Uh, Von Miller. Von Miller. Von Miller. Yeah, yes. He just got traded to the Rams. I think that was a courtesy trade. If you want me to be real honest, I think uh, the Broncos realized that Von Miller was coming to the end of his era, not only in Denver, but probably yeah, in fun. football. And they want to get him one more ring. So that was like a here, we're going to give you this chance to get one more ring. But that being said, we talked about it earlier, Andrew. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How funny would it be that if they got a hold of the Los Angeles or the Las Vegas Raiders and said, "We'll give you Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. We want us what? What we say like a first and a fifth? I would say and Car- yeah, Carl, Carl Nassib back. Yeah. I would say that's probably if you can, you probably get a first round pick still out of him just because of his edge rushing ability still I, being with the, there. With the combo of both of them, yeah, yeah. you're going to get a first-round draft pick. If you add more to it, you might actually be able to get maybe two firsts depending on who you can send in there. I mean, the Raiders are looking to add to that defense. They have Max Crosby. They need somebody else on the opposite side because clearly Clellan Farrell is second on the depth chart. He was a top-four pick. That's not going to happen. So the Bears need to make some moves. And I Well, and, and for me, Nassip is, is just one of those. He's, he's a second-tier guy guy on the on the Raiders but he's got skills he's got the ability he's, to be he's linebacker got a quick edge first, rusher he's got a quick first step yeah and with Quinn I with the way Quinn's playing I wouldn't trade him he's here's the thing is that Quinn right now you may never get the better value than you have at this, this point. is also true you might be able to get a third or a second out of him depending on who you send him to right because there are teams right now who are looking for edge rushers. You talk about, like, right, right now, Tennessee. Tennessee's looking to add to their defense, and they could be looking to say, well, we need some more edge rusher help because they don't really have anybody that's kind of pressing the quarterback on the defensive side of the ball. We saw it against the Colts, right? They gave 
Carson Wentz a lot of times. So Robert Quinn could be that perfect addition to it. Also, Akeem Hicks. We know that he's kind of banged up right now. But if you need that guy on the line to get a push inside or outside, he can be that defensive end or defensive tackle. Yeah, and the big thing with Hicks, though, is his value is going to be going to be shot because of the injury exactly. history and the fact that he's in his last year. Right. So you're if you're going for him, you only have him for the rest of the season. So you need to know that he can be healthy and you basically you need to be a contender. Yeah. If you're gonna go for a guy like Hicks. Quinn, he still has years. It, it's not an ideal contract, though. Right. So it, it's, again, a gamble. I do believe his value is up. I don't think they'll make the trade, though, before tomorrow's deadline. Not with Robert Quinn. I I could see them doing a Jimmy Graham, though, or someone on the Allen offensive Robinson. side. Allen Robinson could definitely yeah, go. Yeah, or Allen Robinson. Yeah, now that you're, like, I've heard that you guys were talking about Allen Robinson before. That I can see makes sense. We haven't seen much of him this season. I mean, they haven't seen a lot of the offense yeah. in general, but yeah, I mean, I definitely they might. I wouldn't be surprised if they do something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, there's a big name in the NFL that looks destined for the IR and could possibly miss the rest of the season. We'll discuss who that is next on Blow the Whistle. Four receivers spread the field. Mike White in the shotgun takes the snap, drops back, looks right, looks left, fires in the back of the end zone. Open is Croft. He's got. That's a jet touchdown! Tyler Croft all alone! Mike White finds him for the go-ahead score with 3.45 to go! Unbelievable! First and goal. Leans up and it is held for the touchdown! Cooper! Amari Cooper! Those highlights courtesy of CBS Sports and NBC. So you guys heard them. A couple of couple of upsets, a couple of lesser-known names making plays. But before we get into yesterday's game, I know we hinted at it a little bit, but some breaking news from today. The Broncos are sending Von Miller, linebacker, pass rusher Von Miller, to the Rams for two draft picks. So in, initial thoughts on this. I, I know we touched a little bit about on it already, David did. But is this a good move for the for the Rams at this point? Can Von Miller still contribute? I certainly think he can. Yes, absolutely. This is a fantastic move for the Rams. The this rich is, keep getting yeah, richer. I, can you? This is by far. I think this has to be the best run organization in the NFL when you consider they're paying Matthew Stafford. They're paying Jalen Ramsey. They're paying Aaron Donald. They're paying Von Miller now. They're paying all these guys top dollar, mind you. And they somehow still find a way to stay under the cap and and be able to build a, I don't know if they're winning the Super Bowl still yet, but a, a Super Bowl contending team, certainly I would say the best well-constructed team in the NFL outside of Tampa Bay, this was the perfect move they needed. They needed outside edge rushing, pass rushing help. They got it in Vaughn Miller. He's going to be perfect coming off the edge for them because he knows exactly how to beat tackles. And the return for the Broncos, it's a second and third round pick in the 2022 draft. I think overall, but despite Vaughn Miller being a little up there in age, yes, I still think with the level he's playing at right now, still getting Vaughn Miller for only a second or third round pick, great move. And just like what you were saying, Andrew, is that how the Rams are just able to like be under the cap and still construct all it's these guys. I don't know how they contracts. do it. It's, I don't a, know. it's amazing what a multi-billion dollar stadium will do for you. Yeah, that's true. true. 
Yeah. <coughs> like the Bears, Bears, how they can't Bears. keep Kyle Fuller, right? I mean, geez. But we can sign saying, Andy man. Dalton, right? That's That makes sense. <laughs> just saying. I, I'm just saying, you know, I'm okay with it being the Har- Arlington Hype Bears. I mean, Same. <laughs> bring in that money. I'm all, I'm all in at bring, this point. Bring, bring in that money. But like I said, I think this was a... This was a courtesy trade. I think the Broncos realize they're not going anywhere this year. They want to get their guy, Von Miller, who will go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a Bronco without a shadow of a doubt, one more ring. And this is a way for them to do that. And that, kudos to the Broncos organization. Kudos, and I do not say this very often, kudos to John Elway for for making that move as a, as a go-get-em-bro kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and another big move or big news story, big headline that everyone's following in the NFL is involving the Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry as he will undergo foot surgery to I, I'm not sure what the exact injury is. I don't think is, they've but, disclosed yeah, they it. The and I saw it like it didn't like when I saw him on the sideline, the replays of the game, I saw yeah. him on the sideline. It didn't look like he was in a whole lot of pain. No. Yeah, but a foot injury, he will have surgery. The return, there's no no timeline yet for a potential return, but reports are saying it could be a season ending injury. And if it is let us know. Do you guys think the Tennessee Titans, are they still primed to win the division? And more so, can they still make a playoff run? Can they win a postseason game without Derrick Henry? Let us know what you guys think on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. I don't think they can. I will say this. The name that you brought up that they were bringing in to work out is a very interesting name because he does bring that Derrick Henry-esque run style with him, even at his age. And ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Adrian Peterson. and For the Vikings, not the one that played for the Bears. He's he's done. Yeah, yeah. Just to be <laughs> clarified, any, any old heads out there that yeah. are like, uh, he's retired from the Bears, isn't he? No, that's not yeah. what we're talking about. No, the, the record-holding <laughs> yes. record Adrian Peterson. But, but that being said... There's, there's ab- absolutely going to be somewhat of a drop off. Yes, uh, at, uh, he's the best running back in the NFL, with no one even really close. Yeah, at but this point, he's up there in age. I don't think he could. He's definitely not going to be able to bring into. I don't even know even fairly close to the table of what Derrick Henry. Oh, brought. as far as touches, yeah, you're going to have. He'll get a lot of carries. You're, no, you're but gonna I don't think he's going to get a lot of what Derrick Henry can do. Like that, the you, size of that man. See, that's that, and that, that's where I agree with you, Tyler. Like, as far as his ability to be a tough running back up the middle, he'll absolutely work. The problem is, is I don't think he'll be seeing 20, 25 touches a game. I, they're going to have to go. He'll be splitting time between Jeremy McNichols, which I believe, Brandon, you said he was designated right now as the backup running back to Derrick Henry. And I also know they uh, drafted uh, Darrington. Evans, I believe is how you say his name, from Appalachian State, who's more of like a speed back. So finding a way to balance those three, because I know Evans and Nichols are known as guys that can pass catch. Peterson doesn't have the greatest hands, but I think he's going to be more up the middle, off tackle, inside the tackles, kind of a runner. I think you can find a good combination there, but don't expect Peterson to kind of have a break-off 800-yard season. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You'll find the balance in that running game. He'll give you those little bit of yards that you need. And the red zone, he's going to be fantastic. Yes. Yeah. But, like, you're not going to get fantasy. Fantasy. (laughs) Fantasy. (laughs) Exactly what you said. You're not going to get that explosive, like, 
like you said, 80 yard run or no, the strong stiff arms or anything like that. Where you're he's not running get that. 22 miles an hour and you're yeah. like, that's that's illegal. A man yeah. that big should not run no, that fast. That's freaking yeah. illegal. It's, it's insane. And, and that's kind of what we saw from Peterson it's last illegal. year too with Detroit. Yeah. He, yes. he wasn't an every down back, but when he came in, he was fairly productive. He, so yeah, he was perfect for DeAndre Swift because he yeah. let Swift kind of build into that system. And obviously now you can see DeAndre Swift is really good. So maybe this is what they need to get guys like McNichols and Evans that opportunity to kind of pour into the game. Uh, we just got a tweet from Brian Houston. He says that he has a fracture of the fifth metatarpal. 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 Whatever. He <laughs> broke his foot. His foot. Yeah, that's, that's a well, technical it, term. Yeah. It, it, all, it all depends on how bad the, the fracture was. Right. And he's a big, strong dude, so you have to remember that his healing process might be faster than the average person's because he's a very intense he, athlete. He wears, he wears a cape. Yes, he does. <laughs> he wears a cape. Yeah, and I mean, moving on from this game, there was... There were a lot of headlines. Upsets and injuries were the were the big headline here this week. Tyler's already signed. Yeah, if just play it. If you guys didn't watch uh, our show, we do we do the television side of Blow the Whistle on Tuesdays. And Tyler was on for the first time with me. Uh, Who did come out underneath the table, jerk? And yeah, we we do our picks and predictions and. Tyler made a pick on one of the upset games, and he put something on the line as well. I will sell my car if the New York Jets <laughs> beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So with that being said, you heard it here first. He will sell his car. He that is, a new car from this summer. He will sell that car if the Jets win. That is a verbal contract, sir. Yes, yeah, that really bit me in the ass. Yes. <laughs> he, he says he will sell his car if the Jets Dude, win. Guys, I'm just watching this game. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm like, who the hell is this Mike White guy? Yeah, Who's Mike White? Right. Why is he be costing me my car right turn, now? I, turn I don't away, get it. I turn away for a second, and I lost track of the game. And then I get a text from Brandon like, oh, Tyler's going to put his car up for sale. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Did they wait actually a minute. win? Wait a minute. The text went, he did it in our little group. Yeah. Blow yeah. the whistle text. I'm like, what? He put his car up? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? I missed something. Yeah, oh, yeah. Selling it. Yeah, he yeah, did say sell. He didn't say giveaway. Yeah, he said money he will out of sell it. his car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, who saw Mike White? should have put stipulations on this thing. I could have got it I for mean, 100 bucks maybe. So if you guys yeah. look on uh, Elgin Marketplace, and Facebook Marketplace <laughs> you will see a 2013 BMW 328i. Previously owned by one of the Blow the Whistle members, yeah. so that's got a raise the value. This car that was owned by John Boyd. What were all the features, Tyler? You get heated, <laughs> heated steering wheel. Yeah, but thirty-one, thirty-one or thirty-four, thirty-one. The Jets win. Mike White becomes the second quarterback since nineteen fifty with over four hundred passing yards in his first career start. Cam Newton's the other one. I watched him play at Western Kentucky. He's a good quarterback. Now the question is. Bye-bye, Zach Wilson. Does this say bye-bye to Zach Wilson? <laughs> I mean, you do got- you ride? I, I'm sorry. If I'm a coach, I'm riding that hot hand. I mean, he made some mistakes. He made some rookie mistakes. Yeah. But 400 yards? Are you kidding me? That's I'm, absurd. Yeah. And well, three touchdowns. Robert Saylor already kind of came out and said that, you know, he's going to possibly stick with Mike White because he said at this point anything's possible. So he's putting he's basically laying all the cards on the table and saying, hey, whatever's going to come out, whoever is going to possibly be the best is the one that we're going to go with. So there's there's a great opportunity for maybe Mike White to actually come out of this thing as like the Jets. God, that would be something, right? The Jets draft Zach Wilson number two 
and it's Mike White, some <laughs> some dude sa- from Podunk, the savior. Or they the use him if they Jets. really want to try to yeah. work out Zach Wilson. They use him as trade bait. Yeah, and can I just say real quickly too, Michael Carter, Beaston, Michael Carter, Beaston, running back number one for the Jets. They have a running back, folks. They got a running back. Yeah, he he definitely looked good yesterday, rushing the ball and pass catching. Nine receptions, I believe it was ninety five yards. And I didn't start out of the backfield, God. of course. So so we know who lost their fantasy game this week. Right. <laughs> Not well, against Cam. Not against yeah. Cam. <laughs> Moving on, the first set of college football playoff rankings will be released tomorrow. Who do we have in the top four? Find out next on Blow the Whistle. Those highlights, those highlights courtesy, those courtesies highlighted by, (laughs) those highlights courtesy of Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, and CBS Sports. Yeah, it is Monday. It's also been two weeks for you guys, so... We're, we're no, little, excuses. Yeah, no, no excuses. No excuses. Oh, we're no excuse prof- me. No, d- no days off. Yeah. We're, we're, we're professionals out here. <laughs> what do you think this is? Amateur hour, sir? But oh. yes, uh, one of the highlights you heard there. Michigan State knocked off Michigan 37-33. And, and big, yeah. Thank yes. you for the money. Yes, Thank you so a much. big win there in a Big Ten matchup between what was two unbeaten teams, two 7-0 teams going into that one. Here's what I'm going to say, and anybody who wants to jump in and agree with me, feel free if you want to disagree. Too early. Jim Jim Harbaugh Harbaugh needs to quit this two-headed quarterback monster. It cost him the game. Got to pick a guy. It cost him the game. Yep. Completely cost him the game. Uh, One, uh, their fumble, as they're driving, he brings in McCarthy, and he goes to run an RPO and just completely fumbles the ball. Mm Mm-hmm. It completely changed the momentum of that game. And God bless. Who'd have thought two years ago when Mel Tooker took over this college football team that they'd be where they're at now? Yeah. With, I'd say, possibly the the top row. The top runner for Heisman right now, I, and Walker. I, I don't think there's any doubt that five, Kenneth Walker is the five best. touchdowns yeah. against Michigan. Five. He is the best Not absurd one. running back, best offensive player. Bet I would argue to say best player in college football by far. He wins the Doke. He wins the Heisman. Who matches up to him at this point? He, he there's looked, nobody that really touches him. And the crazy thing is, the, and you and I have talked about this. You know how Melo Tucker's done this? How's that transfer portal? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd say what seventy five percent of his players that are starting this year, a good sixty five, yes, are the, from the transfer portal. Yeah, that's insane. But that's I mean, impressive. congratulations to Michigan State. They have I. They have two big games left. They moved up to the number five spot now in the and, rankings, and and, yeah. and that's then we're, we're going to get to those. Yeah, those rankings here well, in Tuesday, a second. Tuesday's the Tuesday's big day, the day, so. and we're all going to say ours. But we do have to talk about the other big game in the Big Ten, unfortunately. 
Ohio State versus Penn State. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm gonna be hey. I'm gonna be real honest with you. Tyler said with a little bit of yeah. questioning in his voice. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'll be honest him, with you guys. Penn State blew that game. They were they were moving the ball just as well as Ohio State did. Mm-hmm. And Clifford made a couple mistakes in critical critical moments during that game. Yeah. And it cost them the game. And do you think he's not fully healthy? And that's he part actually, part of what's playing into it. No, he actually looked. He looked a hundred times better oh, yeah. against Ohio from last I, week. See, yeah. and that was my problem. If you'd have given him that week, they probably beat Illinois last week in this this game right here. And I, don't get me wrong, I wasn't expecting them to win this. It's in the it's in the shoe. Yeah, it, it's Ohio State. Ohio State is a very potent offense, but Lane. I just want to put it out there. All my friends and all my 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 work associates that were going, well, I'm not gonna to touch that game with a ten foot pole on the on the 19, 19 and a half point spread. Yeah. And I all told them, play it. Play it for Penn State to cover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they may have lost, but I may have won a little money on that. There but you go. <laughs> that that, that being said, I think your top three teams in the Big Ten right now are Michigan State, number one above all, Ohio State. And the only reason I say Michigan State is because I think they can control the the, the time of possession against a team like Ohio State and, and make it a grinder for Ohio State. And Ohio State hates grinders. Yeah, and that's the big thing is that in college, one thing that people have to remember is that if you run the running the football in college works a lot better than it does in the pros because in the college game, obviously there's a lot more inexperience. There's opportunities for tackles to be missed a lot more. So there's a better chance for you to be able to run the ball and run it effectively and have that be a potent offense. That's kind of the thing, though, with Ohio State, that they have Henderson now who's starting to roll. I'm not saying he's as good as Walker, but he is starting to roll. And if he, and that was the thing I saw in this game that was the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Penn State's running attack was kind of stifled by this defense. Who I'm not saying Ohio State State's defense. Penn State hasn't had a running offense all yeah. year long. And, and I know it's, that it's getting leading, to the point of ridiculousness. Right. They're yeah. leading rusher only rushed for 20 yards. Yeah. 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 Noah Kane? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's absolutely. No. A, uh, John Lovett. Oh, yes. the Love transfer yes. from Baylor. Yep. I actually yeah. really he took, like he him. Took, he took most of the carries. Yeah, Kane just went five for 13. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. it just they, it seems like if they can't get it going in that first quarter, they abandon it completely. They may run here and there, but yeah. it's, it's few and far between. But that's where I would say Ohio State, for me at least, I would put them as the top team in the Big Ten because when it comes to C.J. Stroud compared to I forget who the quarterback is for Michigan State. He has the oppor- he has the ability to t- go over the top with his passes, and he has the wide receivers that he knows he can count on to be able to make those catches. Here's the difference, though. Michigan State has probably the two best safety tandem. They do. The best safety Absolutely. tandem. Peyton Thorne. Possibly, their defense, their defense possibly, I think, is better than Ohio State. Possibly in all of college football. Yeah. Peyton yeah. Thorne, the Peyton Michigan Thorne. State quarterback Thank that you were talking you. about. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But can I just say, like, how... The Big Ten to me this whole season has just been so weird. Like, oh, it's been a wonky just, year for just, everybody. It, yeah, it's, it's been, been a overall weird year. <laughs> but for, just seeing, like, I mean, there's only one team that's shown absolute and complete dominance over everybody. And even oh, then, I got a question about. But I don't like, even know if there's a question at this point. I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> but they go in to the the biggest cocktail party of them all. We're talking about Florida versus Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. yeah. Florida played Alabama and came a two-point conversion away from tying Alabama in Alabama. Yeah, but... Georgia just straight up laid it on them defensively. Oh, yeah. And 
you want you want an odds maker since there's nobody else other than Walker that's really put themselves above and beyond. Put down a little bit of sh- scratch. Are you talk about Davis. Put a little tackle da- from the Georgia. Yeah, Massive plus man. plus eight thousand to win the Heisman. Yeah, Just yeah put ten dollars down. He's incredible. He wins the Heisman. It's eighty grand. Yeah, who is this? You said. Uh, Norm Davis? Uh, no. Roland Davis. Roland Davis. Sorry. Roland Davis. Yes. 6'6", 340 pounds, ladies and gentlemen. He is a massive human being. Good Runs, place. defensive no, no. tackle. Runs 4'6", 40. Yikes. <laughs> this is like Derrick Henry <laughs> What Jr. do I got to eat to get like that? <laughs> what did I have to do? God, I know my time has passed, but what? <laughs> Tell me so I can feed my child. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Since we got that out of the way, uh, yeah, right. let's, let's, yeah, go, let's baby. go through. Uh, like we said, the college football playoff rankings. The first set comes out tomorrow. So, oh, is, right. is everybody in an agreement that Georgia's number one? Absolutely. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. So, okay. So first, the, the AP yes. top twenty-five, the top top four that they have right now, it's Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma. Al- Alabama so. needs to be out of the top four. In my eyes, you have a. You have a loss, and 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 I get strength of schedule. Yeah. Who you're playing, but honestly, let's talk about it. Who have they really played this year? Old Miss. I mean, they played Florida, Old Miss, Florida, uh, and they lost to an unranked Texas A and M at the time. No, and I I agree. I don't think they should be there, but because it's Alabama, it's Alabama, Alabama. and the reputation, it's hard to not put them in that. Yeah, they are three and zero against ranked teams. My biggest, you could say the same thing with Cincinnati being at two. But see, but that's my biggest worry. I think Cincinnati's going to get snited. Oh, and they're going to be they're going to be number four more than likely, if not number five. They might even drop out into the top into the bottom ten. I I think they'll be I I think they'll be at the at the lowest number five. Yeah. Uh, just because of strength of schedule and things like that, um, I still it, don't think Oklahoma. I mean, I'm granted, sorry. Oklahoma is nine and zero. They should not be up. No, there. no, it's changed. Well, it's now changed. With the new, yeah, with no, no, the new it is completely changed. Now, quarterback change. That quarterback yeah. change has made Oklahoma a viable. Spencer Rattler, you suck. I'm just <laughs> saying. Spencer Caleb Williams Rath- is the real deal, folks. Yes, he is. And now that I said that, now he's going to suck. Watch, because anytime I've said this, it, it always turns <laughs> he, around. Way he to is- go. <laughs> Damn it! Hey, by the way, I literally listened to whoever was calling the Clemson game yeah. struggle with DJ Ungo Walele's yeah, name. I finally learned it, and now he's not doing well. I know, right? But that being said, I would put Oklahoma possibly two. I'd put him three. I'd put him three, and I'd put Michigan State three. My my top four is Georgia, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Cincinnati. I'm going Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, Michigan State. Okay, but so mine's, Cincinnati's out of your top four. I, unfortunately, I got to bump them out. They just after the last two games. The only thing that puts them in for me is their win the over record. Notre Dame. Yes, okay. the convincing and, win over Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm I'm going similar with you, Andrew. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm switching Michigan State and Oklahoma. So I'm going okay. uh, Georgia, Bama, Michigan State, Oklahoma. Okay. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna go Georgia, uh, uh, Georgia, Cincinnati, Bama, Michigan State. Ooh, I like that. He's putting okay. Cincy like too. That. Okay, yeah. I, mean, that, I, I honestly think that's the only way Cincy gets in is if they're ranked high enough. I will say yeah. Cincinnati has struggled, but their quarterback is consistent, and their defense. By the way, their cornerbacks six three six two. They're long on the defense, so they can shut guys down if they play right. But if they have to play in Alabama, a and Oklahoma, it'll be it, tough. It's going to be like a, a Notre Dame where they're going to get exposed, in yeah. my opinion. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and that is all we have for hour one, but... If you guys haven't noticed, we started an hour early. We've got a three-hour marathon going here today. Three-hour tour. Three-hour tour. Three-hour tour. We're not on a boat, so don't worry about us getting shipwrecked. (laughs) Who's Gilligan? And and trapped on the island. Yeah, who's Gilligan in this picture? I'll take it. All right. There we go. No, I'm not. I'm not. not no. Nope. Well, we'll, dis- nope. we'll discuss and we'll let you know when we come back who Gilligan is. And the Astros were able to send the World Series back to Houston. Will they be able to complete the series comeback? We'll discuss that next as well on Blow the Whistle. We are back on Blow the Whistle, hour two of three, hour two here on Blow the Whistle, and we're going to get into some baseball things. Have we decided Brandon, who... Brandon yelled at me and said he wanted to talk baseball, so I went straight yeah, into the we, baseball, we man. Yeah, we went right to it. And when <laughs> Brandon <laughs> yells at you, you listen, folks. Trust no, 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 me. I'm, I'm cool going yeah. right into it. Uh, have we decided who our Gilligan is? Do, do we determine... Would that be Jeremy? Jeremy. It... it is it Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Stouter. Uh, he's filled in on the board Can for I be us the a doctor few times. I, the doctor no, you are the really skipper, be- sir. Fine, you are the right, skipper. Right. And you know all what? Right. I get to be ginger. I want the hat then. I want Listen, the hat. I get to be ginger because I am the only ginger. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to put out a full cast list from Gilligan's Island. Sp- You're uh, pretty hot, Played David. by our Blow the Whistle crew. We'll put that out. a nice rack. <laughs> so, yes, check out. We're going to put out the cast list for Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Played by the Blow the Whistle crew. We'll put that up. Be sure to check out Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We're going to put that out on social media. You know media. what? we got to decide who's all, who all's on the, the Blow the Whistle crew because we could have some, That's right. some we, special guest stars. Exactly. Who, who this crew <laughs> Tattoo entails. from Fantasy Island. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to get into some baseball talk now. The World Series is going on, if you guys didn't know. Wow. Yeah, I, I just. David's surprised. He didn't know. Wow. <laughs> the the World Series. Still going wow. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, there what? is still baseball what? being played. Uh, the Braves the were Cubs not. ended a while ago. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, yeah, by I know July, my universe July ended a while 31st back. when the trade deadline happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of the Cubs that, season. That was the end of the Cubs. But the World Series is headed back to Houston as Houston able to win game five. Bring it back to Houston for game six. Will they be able to complete the series comeback? The last team to come back, since you mentioned the Cubs, the yeah. last team to come back from a 3-1 deficit in the World Series were the Chicago Cubs. Five years in ago 2016, yesterday. Five years ago. Yesterday. So, yeah, there you go. God, I, hope, I hope not. You hope you hope, <laughs> hope so not. We know who David wants to see win. But who, what, so do you, blunt. what do you guys think? Will God, the Astros, I hope not. Will the Astros be able to come back? And will the Braves blow a second 3-1 lead oh, in back-to-back God. seasons. They had a 3-1 lead in the over the Dodgers last year in the NLCS. They have a 3-1 lead in the World Series, or had a 3-1. 3-2 now. Will they blow it for a second straight season? Let us know what you think on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. I think I'm sticking with the Braves. I called the Braves earlier. I'm sticking with the Braves to win this one. They've got Max Fried going in game six. He hasn't looked great. I personally would have gone Ian Anderson on short rest, 
But they have him lined up for Game 7, so why? I still like the Braves' chances. Why, why didn't you make that telephone call, dude? I, I know. Yeah, I, I said it. Let him know. I, I did say it on Blow the Whistle. I had Ian Anderson pitching Games 3 and Game 6, but mm-hmm. they decided to go with Freed again. It's all right. Maybe I mean, he'll show he's up. he's been solid all season long. He just had a bad first game. Yeah, yeah but really, bad. really bad, bad, bad first game. Back-to-back rough ones. His yeah. last one against the well, Dodgers I mean, as well. I, I I feel like I feel like you know as the pitchers get you know their 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 pat downs. I think certain people on the Astros should probably get pat downs as well. <laughs> what are you alluding to there, David? I I don't know. Just <laughs> random pat downs. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe just start with El Tuve. Sir, if you can come here there. real quick, please. We have to just no. We Let just we have do, to make hey, sure. We See that we want to see that tattoo that that your wife's so embarrassed about, yeah. and you don't want to show you to your mother. Oh wait, there's a there's a little Morse code ticker on your chest. <laughs> are you are you sporting a Mister T medallion around your neck, sir? <laughs> what, what's, what's going on here, sir? Um, I, see, but see, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem because no matter whether they win or not, there's always going to be that. Well, are they cheating? Right. Yeah, no, that question will always linger because of what happened. I think... As long as Altuve's on that team, (laughs) I'm sorry. And I love the fact, and I've said this to pretty much anybody who will listen, I love the fact that he's gone from probably one of the most beloved baseball players in Major League Baseball to the absolute most vilified person in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, and he doubles down, too, by kind of embracing that. Oh, he loves it! He embraces that villain, that heel-type player in baseball. He's like, all right, if you guys are going to hate me, then I'm just going to embrace the hate, and that's great. Um, I'm still going to go with the Braves on this. I think I said game six on this. I'm pretty sure I said game six. It was... Free. I had. I had. I'm Freddie pretty Freeman. sure. I'm pretty sure. I can't. listen. If I had said game, play back the tape. Let's go. If I had um, said Braves in six, I'd be like, <clears throat> Do you remember? Do you remember yeah, me yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. Shohei? Yeah. Do you remember me talking about Shohei Otani? Come on now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, uh, when I say stuff that's out there and it hits. I'm going to let people know. I'm just saying it because I have a bad memory. That's all. Senior moment, folks. Can I just say one thing real quick? <laughs> Shout out to my boy, Quentin Mayo from BetMGM, who I work for as a board operator. Game one, before the game starts, he calls for a first inning home run from the Braves. Really? <laughs> On air. <laughs> On air. And it hit. Yeah. Thank you, now, Jorge Soler. Yes, absolutely. That, that's got. I, does that kill Cubs fans to just see former Cubs players just do oh, yes. stuff like that and go? You go. I'm oh, sure yeah. it it kills me. I, yeah. I like Soler. I, oh, I've I always thought, liked I thought Soler. it was the right move to move on from him at that point after the 2016 yeah. season yeah. because they they had a lot of pieces in the outfield at that time. Obviously, now he's gone and there's the DH. And if it comes to the Cubs, you would love a guy like Soler who could hit 40 plus home runs if he's healthy. <laughs> but he was never really healthy with the Cubs, so now they're kind of seeing, oh, this is what. This guy could become. He's always had the power. Yeah. I mean, but in this matchup for game six, I mean, I, I had the prediction that Max Fried was going to be in this one. I thought that he was going to be able to pitch out here. I have a feeling that Freddie Freeman's going to step up in this one and they're going to be able to take it from Houston. I like Houston's ability to attack, but like you and me, Brandon, we talked about this on Blow the Whistle last week. They both have that ability to say, well, we're both going to try and punch each other in the mouth first. But the way that the Houston Astros do it, they try to overpower the uh, the Atlanta Braves, right? They try to overpower everybody. 
The way the Braves do it, they meticulously wait for that right pitch, that right moment to hit the ball, put it in play, and then start the action going. I can say the one thing that I've really loved about this World Series in particular has been that it's been a lot of small ball. Yes. A lot of of fast-moving action on the the field. Yeah, that to me has been very enjoyable. home runs are great, especially in critical, like the grand slam in the first inning. Oh yeah. Last night, freaking amazing. spectacular. Mm -hmm. Awesome to watch. But at the same time, I truly enjoy the small ball because that's more strategic. That's more mental. And I love the mental game of baseball. Always have, always will. Yeah. Well, and that type of stuff always is set up for the home run to come up, which makes it a more dramatic moment, right? You got the two guys sitting on second and third, Two outs in there, a guy steps up to the plate, hits a home run to win the game by like two, right? That's always how people want to romanticize baseball. They want to see those great moments. And when it doesn't drop that way, obviously you see a blowout like this, you're kind of like, well, this kind of sucked. It kind of like takes a lot of the magic out of it. But like you said, from what we're seeing, the action that's moving around the bases, it makes it more fun. It makes it more entertaining and it keeps people engaged in the game. And speaking of World Series, just really quick, has anybody else seen the 30 for 30 about the 86 Mets? Oh, that's great. Yes. Amazing. I, yeah. That's amazing. I, I, yeah. Definitely check that out. Yeah. If you, amazing. If you I just seen it finally watched it the other day and I'm I like, <laughs> there's my cousin being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know. I knew they were bad. I didn't know how bad like the, the behind this like hearing oh, yeah. what they said like jeez man <laughs> like yeah. oh my god the 80s were something jeez. yeah but the biggest strength looking at the Braves right now it's that bullpen the yes. bullpen yeah. they ride that bullpen oh, but that's man. also a concern moving forward now because it got used a lot that Charlie Morton injury mm-hmm. has put a lot of strain on that bullpen in particular guys like Luke Jackson AJ Mintz A.J. Minter, Tyler Matzik, and Will Smith, the closer. Those are their top four relievers. That is who they will ride if they have a chance. They, this is their back end, the shutdown guys. And they've been great. But it, if they have to pitch in game six and you don't win if you're the Braves, now you're trying to put them out in game seven again. That would be five straight games, basically, that they have all pitched yeah. at some point. They have been used a lot are we, are here we ta- recently. Are we talking a, a, a Joe... Joe, Joe Madden using Joe Madden Chapman. Situation? Or actually, actually I, I take that back. They did not pitch in yesterday's game. Uh, he, okay. Snickner uh, stayed away from them yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so they will have those two days off yesterday and today being a travel day. But, but it has been a lot of usage for that bullpen. Back-to-back bullpen days yeah. coming out. You don't see that in, in the World Series. Back-to-back bullpen days not since, not coming since, from them. Not since 2016. Yeah, it's a lot of... It, <laughs> I mean, you. Th- well, even then, they had starters. Yeah, to they, ride. Had starters, yeah. they had starters to ride. Matt, Matt's like, it's the fourth inning. I need yeah. somebody in there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. the thing is, like, you think about, like, how many of those guys might actually be hurting that we're not hearing about, right? I mean, right now, the most consistent consistent guy, and we talked about this, Brandon, yeah. with Will Smith. He was amazing in, in their last win. I mean. Are you saying he got jiggy with it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did get jiggy with it on, on, on those pitches. Uh, I'm I, sorry, but that would totally be my freaking walkout absolutely. song. Absolutely, yeah. For sure. If I'm, <laughs> I'm, My name's Will Smith. Yeah. Getting jiggy with it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but the whole bullpen, like you said, Brandon, the fact that they're now getting this rest, it could help. But I'm kind of wondering, too, because of the fact that they went back-to-back days like that, 
how many of those guys are going to possibly be nursing possible you know, inflammation and soreness from their muscles and the strains in their you know tendons and stuff like that? It's a lot when you have to pitch like that. I'll be the first one to admit that I'm not very familiar with the the back of the back end of their rotation. I Will Smith, I'm very very familiar with, but um, are most of these guys long relievers? Or are they 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 set up guys? Are they innings pitchers, eaters? It's a mix. Mostly set up guys. Yeah. Mostly Will Smith's set, like, the closer. Inning, inning or two. And, yeah, and, and, most. and the good thing for them is when they came in for Ian Anderson, for example, in game three, they it's four different guys that he can rely on. So yeah. he used each of them for an inning. Okay. As opposed to the Astros in game five, <laughs> or, or rather in game four, using Ryan Presley, their best pitcher, for an inning and a third, and he threw upwards of 30 pitches. So, yeah, yeah it, they were <laughs> leaning on him me. in that game. Oh, my God. Freaking I, Dusty Baker. I mean, you got to wonder sometimes. Like, not, Dusty's not, a good manager, he's a but great, he, he great makes some manager. questionable calls at times. Uh, he, I mean, and that's, it, it, that's you, one you of those wonder, like, You wonder uh, if it's that bat to the head every once in a while that he got. <laughs> you know, I, and he just I'm spaces hoping, out at some point and goes, I, Listen, it would be great if he that's won why he, it. It's why he and Tony LaRusso are such Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm just hoping that Dusty, listen, whether he wins it or not, I, I great for him for making it to this point. I just worry that he's going to overthink this thing again, right? If Houston does win it, congrats to them if they do actually pull this out. But Dusty oftentimes overthinks a lot of his managing skills when it comes to these big moments. And I hope he's not going to be one who's like, well, should I do this? Should I do that? I hope he just sticks with his guns. He's an old manager. I know what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to stick with. Go for it. I want to send out a quick congratulations to Zach Ranke, by the way. Mm. First pitcher to pinch hit and get a base hit since 1923. Oh, my yeah. Lord. You, you don't, in a World Series. Yeah. In a World you, you Series. Has that. Not he was also the first pitcher to get a hit anywhere, not just pinch hit, to get a hit since 2016. That was Corey Kluber against the Cubs. So, yeah, a lot of history going on. So, one more time, our final picks. I say the Braves still. I'm saying the Braves. Braves. I'm just going with the Braves. All right, so everyone here says the Braves. So, Houston wins. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. You couldn't pick Houston, Tyler. Come on, I should have just man. said it for Come the sake. Come on. Yeah. Should have took one yeah. for the team. I'm sorry, uh, Atlanta. So, hopefully the Braves can pull this one out here. They've got two chances to win one so, game and, and defeat the the enemy, the Astros, that everyone the, seems to be rooting against. The evil empire. Well, we're going <laughs> to stick, stick with baseball <laughs> here. The Cubs have a new GM and a lot of money to spend. How will they approach the offseason? We'll discuss that next on Blow the Whistle. We are back here on Blow the Whistle, and we are ready to talk Chicago Cubs baseball. I, I thought that was totally going somewhere else for a second. <laughs> oh, wow. I, he, he held on to that shit for a really long time. <laughs> I was like, where's the dumb button? <laughs> we are ready to talk Chicago Cubs baseball. Oh, yes, yes, my Stop. Yes, we are. That, that's our dump button, as you just heard there. Uh, David's getting a little crazy on the board dump. over there. Step out David for five is seconds, I know, man. five seconds, and I just lose all control. <laughs> yes. We got Tyler crying. That's great. It's all right, Tyler. It, it, oh, you, my you God. You can get a new car. It's all right. <laughs> just don't what bet it away this time. Bring him in. Come on. Just, just don't bet it away this time. But, yes. All I'm going to be able to get uh, is a bicycle. I'm not <laughs> I'm going to my, my stupid ass. The Cubs. <laughs> 
The Cubs have a new GM. They hired Carter Hawkins from, after 14 years, he's from the Cleveland Baseball Organization, formerly known as the Cleveland Indians. I actually, just real quick, I heard that there's now a class action suit about the Guardians, too. There is a lawsuit. There's a roller derby team by the name Cleveland Guardians, and they are going to sue the Cleveland Indians for usage of their name and killing their brand. Get that bag. Yeah, it's all about... All, all about the copyright law. They oh, do have a copyright on right, it. Well, you know the Indians will just pay them off in, the, yeah. in the, at the end of the. <laughs> but what a horrible like! Why wouldn't you go with like the Rockers or the Spiders, which was the original Cleveland yeah. franchise? Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh, I would have. Cool yeah, too. they should have. Cleveland Spiders would have been great. That would have been really cool too. But, yeah. Let's let, let, let's go because yes. I know you want to talk about. We're not him. here to talk about <laughs> Cleveland. We'll do that at a different day. Actually, I plan on talking more about that storyline tomorrow, though. So tune in tomorrow Ooh. on Blow the Whistle, uh, the television side. Mm-hmm. It'll go streamed on my on my Facebook page as well as the Blow the Whistle Facebook page, and probably shared to X Bomb Sports Absolutely. as well. So tune into that, and we'll talk more about that Cleveland Guardians lawsuit case going on. But back to the Cubs. Trying to sidetrack me from the, <laughs> Just the most important segment. Let's <laughs> talk Cubs. Yeah, let's talk Cubs. Because they have money to spend and a new GM to spend it. So do they? Will they spend it? That do is they? the question. How big of a push will the Cubs make at some of the top free agents? Let us know your thoughts. Will they go after a Max Scherzer, a Carlos Correa, one of those big names on the market, a Trevor Story, perhaps? Or will they just Go with the high-risk guys to get some of the cheaper options coming off of injuries. Let us know your thoughts below T-Whistle1 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Would someone else want like to go before I'll, me? I'll go okay. first. Go okay. I'll go first. <laughs> go for I'll it. be the objective guy. To me, this is probably going to be the most telling offseason for the Cubs in recent history. This is going to tell you if the ownership is trying to create another run for a championship or if they're just happy being status quo and making money to me, it would make absolute perfect sense to throw all kinds of money at Max Scherzer Mm -hmm. and say, you're our number one Hendricks. You're our number two. And we've got some quality, quality guys that are young to come in at three, four and five. If you're not spending the money to make your, I honestly, I, Trevor Story's great, uh, Correa's great, but let, let's be honest. Horner stays healthy. You've got wisdom. The one place that I think that they could make a surprise move, and I've put it out into the world a while ago, I could see them re-signing Kyle Schwarber and having him play first base for the Cubs next year. Or DH if it's implemented. Yeah. Because he will then, he will then, you know, he, he you will probably be able to get him cheaper than you would any of the other guys. Mm-hmm. And the fan base absolutely loves baby Bambino. Yeah. Um, see, it's difficult because of obviously where the Cubs are at right now because they're in the process of rebuilding. You would like them to go and shell out some serious cash to go get top players and obviously try to rebuild this team. The question is, though, is that with the guys they have right now and what's out there in free agency, can they build a championship or a contending roster that's going to be there, I would ask, for the long term? 
because that's kind of what you want to set yourself up for. If you win a championship now, that's great. If you think you can do that, awesome, go for that opportunity. But my biggest question always is, it's not about the this year, right? I mean, it is, but at the same time, you want to say, but what about the year after that and the year after that? You want to set yourself up for the long term. So I would say for the Cubs, reach out to some of these guys that you know have you know, are 28, 29 years old, 27, younger guys. See if you can offer them longer deals to keep them on the roster. For the vets, try to get yourself some above average to good vets that you can give them cheaper contracts on shorter years so that this way when their contract's up, you can move on from them if they're not going to be playing at a high level. I will say that the one interesting thing that I have seen in print, at least, is that they are not ruling out the fact of maybe dealing Wilson Contreras. Yes. Which to me tells me that maybe Contreras has rubbed some people the wrong way, especially Ross and some of the higher ups. I, it would be a cry and shame. It's, it'd be a cry and shame because all, all that kid wants to do is win, win, win. Yeah. No matter what. And I think, I think it's more so that why he, they could trade him. The fact that he does just want to win, win, win. So if you are saying as a franchise, no, we're not ready to win this year. We're going to wait for that next wave of young players to come up in 2024, 2025. I don't think Wilson wants to wait that long. He said he, he's okay with you building around him. But if they're not going to compete this next year, Wilson Contreras wants to win. He, he sees his brother in the World Series right now with the Braves. Mm-hmm. He wants to be there again. He's been there once in 2016, Wilson has. So he wants to do that again, play playoff baseball. So I could definitely see them, if, he's, if his contract is going to run out before they are going to get competitive, he might look to move on. So that, And he's a valuable piece right now for sure. They could trade him for that reason just because they want to play for the future. Kind of like you said, Andrew, the fact that, yes, you want to win now. You you don't want to put out a non-competitive team, especially with a new GM and and coming off the the trade deadline situation from last year. Yes. You want to have a good bounce back, but I, I do think it'll take at least another year unless they really go all out, which I don't think they will. It's going to be at least another year before they're really set on the playoffs, and that's why I don't think they go for a guy like Max Scherzer. I don't think they're ready to win this year. Max Scherzer, 37 years old, is uh, going to go somewhere where he can win now. But but well, once again, when when the Cubs made that initial move back in 2013 or whatever, when they got Lester, they weren't 15. ready. 2015, they weren't ready to win then either. And yeah. this was the 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 start of the building block, and they didn't realize how much getting Lester would make that that pitching staff what it what it ended up being. So I'm wondering if they don't go out and do something like that. That's true, but they also signed Lester to a a big time contract, it's a like long term contract, yeah. and a 37 year old Scherzer who still lights out. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think the Cubs are willing to give a a five-year contract to a 37-year-old okay. as opposed to giving a five-year contract to a 31-year-old John Lester at the time. Okay, that's In- fair. Interesting thing that I'm looking at right now is there's four players on the Mets that are choosing free agency. They had to ch- they were going to get sent to the minor leagues, AAA, but they're t- going to free agency. There's two of them that are pitchers. I'm not too familiar with the names, but I want to get your guys' uh, takes. So all the four players is Jose Pereza. Am I saying that night? Uh, yeah. Right. 
Jose Martinez, and then the pitchers, Corey Oswalt and Robert Stock. All those four guys were going to get sent to AAA, but then they decided to choose free agency. I don't know. I mean, I'm not too familiar with these two pitchers right here, Oswald and Stock, but could those be a more cheaper route for the Cubs to pick up? And if it's worth picking them up? Absolutely. I, I mean, listen, those guys, as far as I know, they are more of kind of like middle of the line players. You might get the best out of them, but they're still at that point where there's growth to be had. And I think that's where the Cubs are going to start and should aim at. I'll throw out, I mean, listen, I'll throw out some names for them to potentially look at. One of them, I don't know how I feel about him staying or going, but Carlos Rodon, he is a long-term key pitcher that if you're going to shell some money out, he's the guy, because he's 26 or 27, going to be 27, I think. So you're going to want to give him the five, six-year deal. You know he can pitch. You know he can pitch in big games. You know he can pitch well, and he's got better stuff than he had, obviously, years before he's made major improvements. He's the kind of guy you put money to. I throw a little bit towards Marcus Stroman, see if maybe he's interested. Noah Syndergaard, I think, is always a name you should aim for because he is... I mean, you and I talked about this, Brandon, for sure, because he's he's been injured for what two years now. It's kind of been now two years. He pitched two innings this year, yes. but, and then got hurt <laughs> and again. Got missed hurt. all of twenty nine or all of twenty twenty, yes. and was limited in twenty nineteen. Exactly. So you're talking about a guy who is a veteran pitcher who we know has some good stuff. We know he's big and intimidating. I mean, the guy looks like Thor up there on the mound, and hopefully he can come back at one hundred percent. And if you are. You got a guy that you don't even have to pay probably nine figures to. You can get him on a cheaper deal that you would probably, I would say, a solid number two pitcher. Might even be your ace in the in the hole for your rotation if he's 100%. And I think that would be a solid look for them. And as for the rest of the field, I mean, they're pretty set, I think, in the infield. And this is a strong shortstop group. So they're not looking, I think, for a shortstop unless they're trying to sell somebody. But I would say for right now, Focus on the pitching and find those kind of depth guys, young depth guys that you can grow with the team. Yeah, I really like the Noah Syndergaard pick. Like you said, we we, I love we talked about yeah. it uh, on either Blow the Whistle or X-Bomb. We talked about we it definitely at, have. at yeah. some point. I know we talked about it. I brought the name up. Absolutely. But yeah, I love that pick. Actually, 2019 was his last full season. Okay. But yeah, he'll be just 29 years old going into next year. Still plenty of time if he can find a way to get and stay healthy. So I like that pickup. I agree. Focus on the pitching. And if the DH comes back, maybe bring in a Kyle Schwarber or a Nick Castellanos. Even, oh yeah. And have them said he wants to come back. Be your DH. Yeah. I would love I like that. It. I'd love to see that from the Cubs. <laughs> well, coming up, it is time for everyone's favorite segment. We've alluded to it a couple of times already here today. It is time for your killing me smalls. The point of the show where we give that moment from the week that just left us saying you're Killing me, Smalls. And, of course, we want to know what that moment was for you for you as well. So hit us up, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let us know what had you saying you're killing me, Smalls, this week. And we'll let you know our picks coming up on Blow the Whistle. You're killing me, Smalls. That's right. It is time for your killing me, Smalls. That moment of the show where we give the moment from the week that had us saying, you're killing me, Smalls. And yes, yes, Andrew, courtesy of the Sandlot with that little sound <laughs> Just making sure we credit the right <laughs> yeah. places, right? I mean, would it be Walt Disney? Wait, was listen, it a Disney movie? Listen, let's get one count? thing straight. There, There's a reason that I love this segment, mm -hmm. and it's because my fraternity name in college was Hampton. Yeah, there you go. So we there should call you. you uh, I was the I was the little Bambino before the little Bambino was. <laughs> so we should call you the little Hambino. Hambino. Little Hambino. Little Hambino. All right. Well, we're gonna give our moments from the week. So let's start off with the little Hambino. Ooh. <laughs> he never you, goes baby. first. 
Never goes first. All right, I'm going first. <laughs> Never mind. Well, let's bring it on back. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Oh, you want you peer, want me to go, peer, Brandon? Peer. I'll go. I'll go. All right, you go first. I'm going to tell go. you right now. It's like a ping pong match. Somebody started. <laughs> to all you Homer, I'm going to be real here. Mm-hmm. This, this is a very serious thing for me. I have major issues with fans not realizing that their organizations have done wrong and never so present as to when my boy over here, Andrew Valentin, goes on Facebook and other social media outlets to voice his opinion about the Blackhawks organization saying that he will no longer be a Blackhawks fan, nor should should Taze carry that C anymore because of the actions and things that have gone transpired and have been found out to be true through the legal documentation that has been put out there for the public to see. Chicago, let me tell you something. I am a huge Penn State fan. Anybody who knows me knows I am a huge Penn State fan. We've gone through this as a university, Penn State University, with the Jerry Sandusky. I am probably the biggest Penn State fan you'll ever meet. And I'm sitting here telling you that that university did those kids dirty, did those kids wrong. And do I think the football team should have suffered for those actions? No, because those kids had nothing to do with it. Should the university have? Absolutely. Now, Let's let's fast forward to what is now going on with the Blackhawks. If you as a fan cannot take your fandom out of reality, listen, this is a sport. And now we're talking about real life situations that have affected a guy so much that he probably will never pick up a hockey stick ever again. And you're going to sit there and go, well, this is unfair to the organization, blah, blah, blah. Come at my boy, threaten his life because he's making a statement about how he feels about the Blackhawks scenario and then call into question the fact that Taze should have his C taken away. You damn right his C should be taken away from him. The man was 22 years old. He wasn't a 14-year-old. He wasn't a 15-year-old. He was a grown-ass man who decided not to say a damn thing about what was going on whether he knew the whole story or not, still did not say a thing. Quinville resigned. Bowman resigned. There is some funky, funky stuff going on in that organization. And if you are a fan of the players, good on you. But you cannot support the organization for making such a egregious, egregious mistake. So, for all you Blackhawks fans that are out there making death threats talking like this isn't a necessarily bad thing all i've got to say to you is you're killing me smalls anybody else want to go <laughs> thank you yeah, David. And, i appreciate and that and we will get more into yes. that blackhawk scandal later on in the second or third hour third i'm hour. not used to yeah. a third yeah. hour yeah. Yeah. but yes we will follow up and go more in depth with that storyline Yes. Would you like to follow First up, First off, Andrew? I just want to say thank you, David. I, I appreciate that, man. It means a lot. All right. I'm going to take it on a lighter tone. Um, <laughs> just That's probably a good Because I, I have things to say on that, too, but I will save that for 
the next hour. Um, so on the 29th of, uh, of October, there were two high school games played. Um, one of them actually was here in Illinois, for those who don't know. Springfield played Rock Island in the uh, high school playoffs uh, brackets. Oh, and Rock Island whipped that booty, didn't they? That uh, was Springfield, actually. Really? Springfield beating Rock Island uh, 94-72. to 72. Woo! No, it was not a basketball game, folks. This is the football game. This is an actual oh, high school football man. game. I had a double take. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking. I, I will put the score out there for you guys on Blow the Whistle. I'll do it on X-Bomb Sports. Check it out. This is from Max Preps. This is an actual score. On the flip side of that... All across to the West Coast was a game played against Englewood and uh, Morningside. Morningside is not a great team. Englewood is actually one of the best teams in California. Actually, one of the best teams in the country, if you don't know. Uh, but it's one of the best teams in California. The final score of this one, just a regular game, 106 to nothing. <laughs> quarterback. Lord have mercy. Yeah, quarterback Justin Martin, who is a star quarterback. UCLA commit, mind you. 13 passing touchdowns. First quarterback in more than a century to ever throw for more than 13 13 or more touchdowns in a high school game. In any football game in general. That's almost for like a whole season. Yes. (laughs) For high school. So my, I'm saying this, to the officials and the people in charge of these high school games, you, you have to get... Like a death sentence or whatever you want mercy to call it. Rule. Mercy rule. Yeah. Thank mercy you. rule. Mercy. For love of God, <laughs> mercy for both. I mean, for these teams. This is ridiculous. I, I can't believe this. The high, the Illinois game, I can understand. Shootout kind of game. The California game, mercy for Morningside. Please stop the bleeding. Stop the fight. It's a, it's like it's like an old school fight where it's like, please, no more. He's already on the ground. He's already dead. Uh, so to the officials, I say to you, you're killing me, Smalls. God, can't believe that. If That's my, absurd. If my kid was a part of that, I don't know if I could be happy I with that or I'd not. I'd be interested to hear what the score was at halftime. Yes. In, I, in, in like at half, I, if I were the coach, I, I, I'd have probably went out to the refs and been like, they forfeit. Yeah, something. <laughs> I mean. No, no, I'm being yeah, real. No, serious, yeah. no, seriously. What does that do to uh, the mental yeah, state yeah. Of, your, of your football team? It's to get not going to sh- help them. Just smacked like that. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, uh, Tyler. He... Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well. So this one's a little interesting. Kind of what Brandon did weeks and weeks ago. I'm going on myself. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wonder. I wonder what this could be about. I was trying. To, yeah, I was trying to think. It's like, what did I do weeks and weeks ago? A self, you're like, killing ah, me. Yes. Yes. Great. So this, my you're killing me, Smalls, is going towards myself because of all the excitement of actually getting to go on. Blow the whistle oh, on the TV you, side. That's right. You I better, got, you he, better do this. He got, that's right. You I, better. He got caught up in I the got, moment. I got a little too excited, <laughs> and I was having a lot of fun. And I threw out something very absurd. <laughs> yeah, absurd. not absurd. I mean, no, it wasn't an absurd. No, it, it seemed like good money. The Jets, I just wouldn't have put my car. But, on I, yeah, it. I wouldn't I have put my car. On I put, I've raised the stakes a little too yeah. high. <laughs> um, should have the Jets have lost? I, you still wouldn't change my mind, even if I didn't bet my flipping car. Yeah. I would have been like, "Oh yeah, Jets! No, there ain't no chance in hell they're going to oh, win." Yeah. But congrats to the Jets for getting the win this season. <laughs> but thank you, not no, not 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 a thank you for winning because you flipping made me now. I got to put my car up for sale. So I guess my whole just, killing I, is I just want to know how M feels about all this. Oh yeah. So we'll we'll call her in. Tweet comes through. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I guess. My whole thing is 
Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> For getting way too overly excited and just saying about a whole saying a whole bunch of gibberish and putting your car out there for the Jets t- losing the game and if they were to win, Tyler, I give you a big old. You're killing me, Smalls. I love the attack in third person. <laughs> I love it. He just, Tyler, he he just rocked person. himself. The rock says. Butterball says. Tyler says. You're killing, you're killing me, killing Smalls. Me smalls. Oh exactly. my God. And the worst part is that I can't even deny that I said it because I'm the one that clipped that yeah. part of me. Yeah. Yeah. true. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? We got to put this on here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Oh, my God. On you, man. All right. Well, it's come over to me, and I'm going to go after the activist group that we've all probably heard of, PETA. The animal rights activist group. Yes, it's killing me, Smalls. That's right. Uh, But I'm going after PETA. Just a friendly reminder. And the suggestion that they're giving to Major League Baseball that they recently tweeted out, they're going after the term bullpen. So we talk about bullpen pitchers, uh, guys coming out of the bullpen. You didn't hear about this? PETA, the animal rights activist group, is coming after a bullpen. bullpen. I have not heard this. Let me read word for word what the tweet says. Let me wait. Let me get comfortable first. Okay, (laughs) yes, get comfortable. (laughs) It says bullpen refers to the, the area of a bull's pen where bulls are held before they are slaughtered. It's a word with. Uh, speciest roots, and we can do better than that. Switching to arm barn would be a home run for baseball fans and animals. Let's liberate the language we use in baseball. <laughs> PETA's pitch, replace bullpen with arm barn. That, yes. We, I, don't, I don't know if you could hear if the mic is picking up David over there, but he is dying oh, right now. He is oh, dying man. right now. This is a real thing. This is this a real thing. This is a real tweet that PETA put out. Is that anything like the dress barn? Seriously, people, are you kidding me? Yes, they are coming after oh. the term bullpen because it, it has speciest roots. I ha- I've never even heard of species. That's roots. a new word for me. Like, speciesism <laughs> is real in this in this Could moment. Could be a species. Yes, uh, I, I've not heard that term, but we'll no, have to dig deeper into that. The oh, roots he, of that term. People that tweet with like tweet stuff like that would come up with a word like that. Yeah, I've yes. never heard of something like that chickens until you got fine, these people. But cows? Oh no. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we'll, Eat we'll re- all the chickens in the world. Yeah. yeah, we'll retweet this. So check out Blow the Whistles page. We will retweet this tweet. It was posted 11 26 October 28th by Peta, and we will retweet this. We'll go on and retweet. Tweet this. I mean, you go to the you go to the dress barn. This is where where Chick Fil A needs to advertise it. Just eat eat more chicken. (laughs) I'm telling, I'm telling you right now. You go to the dress barn to get discount dresses. Does that mean you're going to the arm barn to get a discount arm? Yeah. (laughs) And every single pitcher should come out and do the discount double check if they're coming out of the Uh, arm barn because they're not starters. The starters can go five plus. You're going for the the one or two inning arm in the arm barn. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. This kind of sounds a little awesome at the same. Armbar just sounds like kind of like I don't know. There's a ring to it. I kind of I, I might like it a little bit. I don't know. So so you like it a little bit, a little bit. No, Bullpen still sticks, but so Bullpen, but the arm barn. Yes, that's a, that's that's an. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm picturing guys that is a, their I can't, arms I can't. Like that is a millennial rack. with too much time <laughs> on their hands. Coming in from the arm barn, Will Smith, and then we'll have the, 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 the after Will Smith do a commercial for it. 
<laughs> oh my god! Well, the picture comes oh, out. The actor that is pops oh up on the screen in oh, yeah, a commercial. Like, I, I, I can't, I can't picture hearing that on TV. Like, oh yeah, this, there, there's Lucas Giolito warming up in the arm barn. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you know what? Now you say it. Yeah, don't, don't sound Loosen right. up no, that right. arm in the arm yes. barn. It's like. <laughs> That's yeah, just so horrible. Uh, the I earliest recorded use of bullpen, it came out in 1877. So it's back to the beginnings of baseball. Jeez. Okay, they so were there cows term. in the bullpen? Is that why they called it? No, but seriously, like, there has to be some kind of origin onto why they called it a bullpen. Maybe that's where I'd all the fat guys were at. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to find out the origin of that. Do they know, yeah, had do they know there's no cows being harmed during the Major League <laughs> Baseball game or right, any not baseball game? No cows were, like hurt, were harmed in the making of this Warmed Broadcast. up and he beats Bessie right in the head. Listen, you are throwing into a leather glove, which is made of cow skin. Oh, God. You need to find different ways to make the gloves. And the tree huggers are going to come after us because of the bats, right? So you need, to to, you need to switch to titanium bats. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, oh, oh, yes, yes, the earliest recorded use of bullpen in baseball is in is in a Cincinnati Inquirer article published May 7th, 1877. Writer O.P. Kaler noted in a game recap, the bullpen at the Cincinnati grounds with its three-for-a-quarter crowd has lost its usefulness. The bleacher boards just north of the old pavilion now holds the cheap crowd, which comes in at the end of the first inning on a discount. That was the first use of bullpen in a bullpen in a baseball game. It came in an article now, of you, a game recap. Listen, so not, Brandon, you read that all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you should have done it in an old-timey voice. Ah, yes, yes. Back, back in 1877. Back in <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The term bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> Is this still your killing me? You are right. Who knew? Right. Who knew this would be the one that set us all off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely fantastic, Brandon. I, I commend <laughs> you. That, uh, that is... You so, almost had David fall yeah, out of his chair. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was, was off the chair. Listen, like... <laughs> Ooh, baby. Who comes, like, who just goes, you know what they should call it? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic to me. You just get a bunch of people outside with chicken barn. Can we just hold up, instead of a sign, just a mannequin arm at arm barn? Oh. You know what? Oh. I'm going to put that as the Twitter Banner. Can we put yes. this arm on the bullpen now? Yes, vote for arm barn. So, see, now we got to be careful because the last thing you want is PETA. PETA coming after us. Especially with what we eat every day. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. This that's is how true. we get another, another that's how we get our name burger. out there. Oh, my God, yeah. All right, so we uh, we will vote for arm barn as we eat our next nine patty burgers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, to wrap it up, PETA, for the suggestion to go away from bullpen and... Move to the arm barn, I say to you, PETA. You're killing me, Smalls. Now listen. <laughs> At least Jim Abbott's not pitching anymore. I'm not, not going to lie. We've completely blown through a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes, we did. Yes, and we I'm did. Okay too good. That was too so, good. We couldn't stop so that. So, Brandon, if you would like to segue... Into into some socks talk, yes, and we can yeah. talk about oh, their arm we'll pen. Stick, we'll stick with the baseball. We'll move out because we can talk about uh, their arm pen they all actually, day long. They actually need some help in the arm barn. The arm they, barn. They, they, they need some help. Uh, there's word that the White Sox will pick up the the Craig Kimbrell that came out a few weeks ago Ooh, after yeah, they got eliminated. Okay. Uh, the reports say that they will pick up his option. Maybe look to trade him though. So there's no guarantee he'll yes. actually be with the team. See, but that. 
that to me is interesting because that that experiment did not work. Right. Well, it did and that's, not work. And that's why I think the story's coming out that they're looking to possibly trade him. And honestly, I think it's a smart move. Trade I mean, him back to the Cubs? If you, if, <laughs> maybe. Please, yeah. listen. We, uh, we, you're we, not getting magical back. <laughs> <laughs> say, we want oh, yeah, magical back. Um, no, I think if you can find a way to make it work... Obviously, consider the option of keeping him, don't, no doubt. But if there is somebody out there that's willing to give you a nice haul for what Craig Kimbrough can most likely bring in, because he's still considered a widely renowned Hall of Fame relief pitcher, closer for any team out there, they're not going to pass on the opportunity to get him. So if you can get the right kind of haul back for him, I'm absolutely all for trading because this team, they're trying to scale everything back so they can get younger, so they can have years with this group, not just like a two-year window with Craig Kimbrell and a handful of other guys on the roster. They want to make sure they have guys that they can just say, okay, if he goes, let me put somebody else in his place, and so on and so forth. You don't want to rebuild. You want to reload. Yeah, and the big thing, I know a lot of people are out there, what's the difference? It's the eighth inning. It's the ninth inning. Why can't he it's, pitch? It's a mindset. It's a mindset thing. It's a mindset. Absolutely. Baseball, baseball and pitchers in particular, especially, especially bullpen. Yeah, especially closers. It's all about the routine. Yeah. You come in, you got your video playing or whatever because you're the closer. You come into your music. You throw however many pitches you usually throw, whether it's 8, 12, whatever your set amount is, you throw your pitches, you're ready, you, you do your routine, You whether it's walk around the mound, uh, play with the rosin bag, whatever it is, it's routine-oriented, and for whatever reason, yes, it, it does throw guys off. That's why you hear about closers coming in in non-safe situations. It can be the ninth inning. Yeah. And for whatever reason, there's not that high leverage situation. And they, they struggle. For whatever reason, most of the time, they struggle. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a mindset thing. He was arguably, it's between him and Josh Hader, the best closer in baseball in the first half of the season. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, no doubt. There is definitely going to be a market there if you look to move him. All right, okay, Andrew. Yes. As you and I are more Sox fans, you are a Sox fan. Yes. I'm. I'm a regulated regulated Sox fan. Yes. I, I'm a true blue Phillies fan. But mm -hmm. do you think pitching is the only place that they need to focus? No, I think they have to go a lot deeper. I agree. I absolutely agree. Brandon, shake Brandon, Brandon. Brandon. No, no, I they wish have, that I they wish they could holes. hear Brandon's yeah. head rattle right there. That was they huge. have some holes. No, they have some holes. They definitely I think they need to look more especially into the outfield, right? They have the, you don't have, think you don't think they're and I hate to interrupt, but you yeah. don't think that they're young talent. See, gives them gives them that outfield depth. No, I I think they've got pieces there for sure. But Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, Robert certainly I think has solidified himself as that center fielder. I'd like to keep Billy Hamilton, especially as the backup. Goodwin and Angle are nice guys for every other day, but I don't think they're full, for, you know, everyday kind of guys. I think you want to find guys. Vaughn is. I don't know if he is a full time outfielder. I know he's got the bat, but the glove has to come. So it's about what he does in spring training at this point, if he can solidify that. Otherwise, I would tell the White Sox, you can keep a lot of those guys, but they're mostly for depth. You need to start looking for starters in the outfield. And I know this free agency, there's not a lot of guys, so they may need to go into their farm system or look to trade. And that might be where Craig Kimbrell kind of comes up into the conversation of, if we can trade him for a starting outfielder that might be able to take over in right field, because that's kind of the spot they're looking to fill right now. 
that's that's where I would go. I'd be okay with it. If you can get a star guy out there in right field, I would go for that measure, absolutely. Other than that, yeah, pitching, I think, is absolutely something they still have to pour over. Would you be interested in Max, Max Scherzer? Yes. Well, I, I mean, of course I mean, you are. But. Everybody, everybody's going to be interested in him. If they're willing to spend the money, which I don't know if they are or not, I know they have been willing to crack the wallet for some of these guys, I would be more than happy to. But if you can't get Scherzer, I think there's still names out there that you can pour over for the starting pitching for the White Sox, and you can get some top-quality guys nevertheless. Um, obviously, I would have said Trevor Bauer, but now I don't. <laughs> You're don't, not touching not, that. Not with a 10-foot pole at this point. But other than that, there's, some, there's still guys. Again, we mentioned Syndergaard. We mentioned Stroman. There's guys mm-hmm. out there who I think if you throw the right amount of money and say, you look at this roster, I think they're going to be interested in coming here, right? And I And that's the part of the thing that, People don't understand. Even though last year didn't work out for the White Sox, yes, it was a disappointing season. Nevertheless, it still looks good for them because teams can say they made the playoffs, they finished with 90-plus games, there's an opportunity for us to go there. Maybe we get 100, maybe we get to the World Series, maybe we win a championship. It's all possible. Yeah, and there's a tough decision to make, talking about that rotation too, with Dallas Keuchel. He still has a year left on his contract. Do they want to buy him out his contract? Let me pull it up here real quick. He he's owed twenty or rather eighteen million, eighteen and a half million. So if they cut him, eighteen million is owed to him right now. So I would trade that, That's a lot I, to try to yeah, get rid of. And I would I would see if someone see if someone, someone, someone out there is going to take that hook because it, he has been good in the past. Yeah. He has, but at thirty four years old for that price, it's heavy. That, that's top line Washington that's Nationals top line pitching price. If, if the White Sox are willing to take half the money, I, I think a I team could, could see that they take half that contract. You can trade him, and I think you can get some. Not great value, but you'll get some prospect value for him, and that's what's important right now for Dallas Keuchel. Washington Nationals are always looking. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, and and that's a team that's kind of sold the farm yeah. to get start rebuilding. They've got some nice pieces, but that it'd be interesting to see how how much Washington's in the mix. Hey Juan, uh, how how would you like to come to the South Side? I'm just saying, man. If Juan not, Sato, if you're not happy there in uh, DC, I'm just saying, man. He ain't going yeah. nowhere. Yeah, we but, got we got a lot of guys you might like. I'm but, just saying. Yeah, and just to follow up on your point about the outfield, real quick. Adam Angle, he doesn't do it for me in the outfield. No. I'd, I would try to move on from him. I agree. Right field is a problem. Yeah. Put Eloy. I know he doesn't like it. He should be a DH. He have him the DH. Have Adam Vaughn, or uh, Andrew Vaughn yeah. as your left fielder, which surprisingly he didn't come up a left fielder, but he's the better he's fielder at better this point. At, yeah. He's better than Eloy in the outfield. So yeah. have him do that. Uh, and Eloy be your DH, and then find yourself a real right fielder. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and especially, too, I would add also, if you need to throw in Brian Sheets, I would hate to lose him, or Brandon Sheets, if you'd lose him, it sucks, but if you got to get a trade opportunity for him, go for it. All right, well, we're about time to move into our three. The first time we've been able to say that here on Blow the Whistle. Moving into our three. David's about to fall asleep. (laughs) I know. It's on you. David's ready for a nap. David is ready for a nap. Come on, it's go time. My grandpa bones are kicking in, you know. Yes, but we are going to move into our three as information continues to come out surrounding the Blackhawks cover-up scandal from 2010. And we're going to dive into it. We're going to discuss the scandal and how the league has been responding to it next on Blow the Whistle. 
exonerate myself from this situation anyway by saying that I didn't know. But um, the truth is that I had not heard about it until training camp the next year. At the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't change what happened. It doesn't uh, it doesn't take that away. It doesn't you know make it go away. So um, you know I, I think you know they collectively were were you know as players um, if guys did know. Uh, hindsight's 2020. I think we we wish we could have done something differently, and myself included. You know, at the end of the day, my heart goes out to Kyle for what he dealt with, and uh, wish I could have done something. And you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's obviously not an excuse looking back, but the truth is, a lot of us were focused on just playing hockey and doing what we're doing every single day. Welcome back to Hour 3 here of Blow the Whistle, and that was Jonathan Tay's Blackhawks captain, after the the reports and the investigation was concluded on the Kyle Beach situation with Brad Aldrich, that was his initial his initial press conference immediately following the game. First time he spoke to media about the situation, as he says he he did hear rumors about it, and there was a no that he he knew something was up at least in training camp that next year. But there's a lot going on with this this situation. Things continue to come out about this sexual assault uh, situation, the sexual abuse situation that went on between Kyle Breach and then video coach of the Blackhawks, Brad Aldrich, back in that 2010 playoff run, Stanley Cup run, which they did end up winning the Stanley Cup that year. Stan Bowman's been really not released. He resigned his position as GM. Al McKissick followed him as well. And Joel Quinville with the Florida Panthers now resigned as the head coach over there. Everyone knows he was the head coach of the Blackhawks at the time in 2010. They all resigned after meeting with uh, commissioner, rather Gary Bettman to discuss their involvement in this situation. And I'll, a serious situation. We touched on it a little bit during the year, killing me small segment. There was a lot going on with it and more continues to come out. I'm sure more will continue to come out as well. As of right now, though, a report from today is that Gary Bettman, as of now, has no current plans to actually discipline any of the Blackhawks as execs who resigned from their posts. They do have to meet with him before they can re-enter the league if they were to try to get hired somewhere. But as of now, there is no further punishment coming, or at least no current plans for further discipline toward any of those executives. Um, Go for it, because if I start going, you're not going to get to talk. Here's the thing. Um, so I've read. I read this entire report. I read the whole thing front to back, all the little annotations and everything. And the final verdict for me is this is the biggest scar on the Blackhawks, on hockey, on the NHL you can possibly think of. This was a conspiracy theory that is true. This is this was a this was a conspiracy to cover up the fact that this monster was allowed to inflict his his will on this young man and use his power as a coach to completely destroy this young man's life by saying, I hold your career in my hands. And then he blatantly threats, threatens him and says, I can take away your career and I can make sure you never walk again. 
And after all this information comes out, McDonough, Bowman, the whole crew, everybody in that front office, including the head coach, are in that meeting. They're all talking to each other. And what's the decision they come to? Well, let's just not do anything about it right now. We got too many more important that we got the Stanley Cup coming up. That's more important. A long time ago, we made a comment. There was a comment that was made by uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, who said about the whole taking away the trophy. He said it was just a piece of metal. And we completely said, how dare you do that to the players? Because this was a cheating scandal. You're saying that this thing is invaluable to them in that cheating scandal. This is completely different because this is a player's life that was on the line. And I've asked the question numerous times to people that have decided to attack me for whatever reason or anybody else about the fact that they're trying to say how horrible this was for the Blackhawks. And I'm not saying everybody is saying this or that. I'm saying there are those that are standing, of course, with the Blackhawks. I understand it's a team. I understand your loyalty to a team. I get that. But in this serious situation, I find it hard to stand by that organization at this point in time. That's why I'm completely resigning myself from being a Blackhawks fan from here on out. But I asked people, what would happen if Kyle Beach would have taken his life? For God's sakes, we, we had equipment, an equipment manager who I believe last year, or if not a few years back, who took his own life. And now I kind of have to wonder, how much did he know about the situation? You know, and, and it leads to all these questions. And now I even have to question if, if the words really did, the, the report says the words did not know anything. There was no evidence that says Rocky or Danny knew anything about what happened. But you fire McDonough a year before, and now I have to question, well, is that just because, because obviously McDonough, for those who don't know, he's a very difficult man to work with. He's always been kind of noted as a difficult general manager. He's hard-nosed. He, you know, he's, one of, he's, he's, just a, he's a tough guy. So maybe they just got sick of his stuff, and they just were like, we're done with you. Who knows? I'll take that for what it is right now, but I have that question. And I know that a lot of people, the reason why they get upset is because of the whole situation with the Blackhawks players. Well, how much did they know? It sounds like they just it, they heard the rumors and stuff. I hear what everybody's saying with, well, they were young, 22, 23-year-olds. Well, you know, they said it was just a rumor and stuff, and I find it hard to, I find it hard to understand how you can just let that be okay to say, well, he was 22. What would you do at 22? I don't know. I would hope I would do the right thing and speak up because if I had to, on other occasions, I, which I won't speak to, but I've had other occasions happen where if I don't speak up, somebody might get hurt. And I was younger than 22. So I would hope that humanity would take over and say, hey, the right thing is to say something. Even if it is, you just heard, like Jonathan Tay says in his statement, he's like, I heard it was, it was a situation, but then it got taken care of because Aldrich, this monster, was removed from, from the situation I still would go to management and say something. Hey, we heard this rumor. Is this taken care of? We heard it got taken care of. Did, is it finally over? You know, ask who was affected. Don't tell me they're not going to tell you anything. You're a number one overall pick being Patrick Kane and a top three pick being Jonathan Taze. One's a captain. One's the best player. You're telling me their careers are going to be threatened by the fact that they asked this question? I find it hard to believe. I find it hard to believe. And you got Joe Quinville, the coach, this guy who's supposed to protect the players, who's going out there and saying, well, we can't concern ourselves with this right now. I have to win a Stanley Cup. This will ruin team chemistry. That's one of your players who got drafted in the first round. So he counts for something. You stood up there with McDonough and Bowman, with McIsaac, with Plunk, 
with Chevel Day off, with all those guys in the front office, you stood up there with that player holding his jersey, with his parents right there, and you did nothing when he was getting attacked by this man, assaulted by this monster. And now because of the fact that you wrote those letters of recommendation that went to the Miami of Ohio, University of Miami, Ohio, two other students or athletes, I believe it was, were affected by this man, and then he was released, and then you did it again at a high school. And then a 16-year-old was assaulted. So all of that is on the Blackhawks. That's on you, Blackhawks. That's on you. And any Blackhawks fan that wants to try and argue me against this, go for it. Go for it. I, I pledge you to go for it. I will hear you out. But I'm hoping that you will hear me out from what I'm saying. I've read this report. Have you read the report? Read this thing. I'm telling you. From that and hearing Kyle Beach's interview on TSN, if you haven't heard it, it was heartbreaking. That man went out on TSN, gave a great interview, and that man said that Jim Gary, this mental skills coach who was supposed to interview him about the situation, said to him, well, it's your fault. This is according to Kyle Beach. It's his fault because he put himself in that situation. How dare you say that to that man? And then you pile on top of that. He was asked a question about what would you say to that young man in high school that was assaulted by Aldrich? And he breaks down and he says, I'm sorry I didn't do more. I'm sorry I didn't do more. That's not Kyle Beach's fault. That's on the Blackhawks. That should not be Kyle Beach apologizing. That's the Blackhawks should be apologizing. That's McDonough should be apologizing. That's Bowman should be apologizing. They should be apologizing. They all deserve a ban as far as I'm concerned, and I don't think any of them should be getting into the Hall of Fame, if any of them have a chance. And I know some of them do, but I'm I'm really at this point, I'm done with the Blackhawks. I think Kane and Taze, I know they won't, but I think they should be gone. But that's just me. I'm with you on that. This this whole thing is just absolutely disgusting. And the fact that the Blackhawks organization is has thrown this under the rug for well over 10 years. And the fact, it makes it hard for me to believe that any of these players did not know about this situation yeah. at all. That makes me hard to believe. And when you guys mentioned that, Taves was 22 years old. Dude, you're a grown-ass man. Like, and, and being in that situation, you're an adult, and you should be making these decisions and not worry about what's going to go on with your career to know what the hell is it's just the human right thing to do. Yeah. Like, for, like, for the love, for the, for the human, love of humans, for God's sake. If, if he would have asked, if, if he would have said in his statement, I don't know if he did or not, but if I would have heard in his statement... I went and talked to McDonough. I went and talked to Bowman. I went and talked to Quinville. And then they gave him the answer that, oh, it's been taken care of. I would have said, okay, so they were told this has been taken care of. That, to me, would have made it easier for them. But the fact that they knew and they never made that statement that they went and talked to those guys says to me that they kept their mouth shut. That's where I have a problem with it for the players. See, the thing I'm getting, though, is that they thought something had happened, that it was taken care right. of because Aldrich was released. Right. He was no longer with the team. I'm not trying to defend the players at all right. like right. You know, no, on yeah. this yeah. and everything, but the fact that I can kind of see it from that side that yes. the, Aldrich was released. Taze, in his statement, said he didn't know till training camp the next year. Right, right. At that point, Brad Aldrich was no longer with the team. Yes. So he might have, if he heard, okay, that's why Aldrich left, thought something was done right. in terms of, well, that's why Aldrich is no longer with the team. Yes. Should he have reached out? Yes. But up until a couple weeks ago, it was a John Doe. Right. So I don't know if he knew 
that it was Kyle Beach. Yes. I, I think the rumors were just, hey, Brad Aldridge did something. I don't know if he knew or if any of them knew if it was Kyle Beach. Right. If they did, yeah, definitely. But I don't know. It, obviously, there's still right, a lot yeah. of questions out there. We don't know if he knew it was Kyle Beach. And this is this is not the right thing. But if it if they did know it was Kyle Beach, there is a way that they could be like, well, we don't care. Not again, this is not the right answer, right. but here's why someone could say that. Or not that they don't care, but that they have priorities on something else. He didn't impact the roster that year. Right. He never actually skated with the Blackhawks. Yes. And that's where it's hard to say if, if you're a, a, on the team, on the ice all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm focused on this. Right, you're yeah. doing that. Again, that's not the right answer. Right. That's not. But you can see where that would come in that, hey, it's a rumor. I don't actually know what happened. Right. And maybe, again, I don't even know who exactly it was, but I know it's someone who's not actually on the active roster. Yeah. I could definitely see them why they didn't pursue it further. Yeah. No, I I understand what you're saying there. I do. But I still look at this situation. It's just, it's hard. Like you said, Tyler, it's hard to believe. And that's, and that's where the problem is right now is the locker room. There's a, not a divide, I want to say, but there's certainly a lot of, I'm trying to find the right word. There's a lot of, he said, he said, there's a lot of that kind of like everybody's saying something different where, You've got Brent Sopel and Nick Boyton who are coming out, who were vets on the team, who came out and said, everybody knew. We knew, and I, by the way, I play, I, props to those guys completely for coming oh, out and saying that, listen, we knew about the situation, we're coming forward now, and we're confirming that this is something that we heard happen, that, that, were, that was told to us. Did they and say they knew who it was, though? I, I don't remember if okay. they said who I, it was, but I heard them say that they knew about the situation. They were yeah. told about the situation. So they knew that something had happened. They knew that this was something that had occurred, what exactly had occurred, and but they didn't know who it was, I don't think. Don't confirm me on okay. that, yeah. but I know that they had spoken up. Yeah, that, I, I knew that they had come out yes. and spoke, but I, I didn't know if they actually said anywhere right. that they knew it was Kyle Beach. Yes, and they had said, too, that there was there were... Uh, anti-gay slurs being thrown at Kyle Beach. There were people that were bullying him in that kind of sense that you do. But like you said, Tyler, in the locker room, we've all been athletes. We've all been in a locker room. We know, especially on Word gets around. On, on the guy side, on, on, on a male side, there's a lot of talk that happens. Word, Like you said, word gets around. You hear things that happen. I find it very hard to believe that guys like Patrick Sharp or Brent Seabrook or Duncan Keith, you know, a lot of these key guys on the roster they didn't hear anything, right? And it's it's difficult, and I and the difficulty is that they can easily say, "Well, we didn't," right? You can easily say, "Well, you didn't," but now you have guys like Kane and Taze who are saying, "We heard the rumors," and everybody else can say, "Oh yeah, well, I heard rumors too," but to me, that just makes it even worse because it's like, okay, well, so if everybody's saying they heard rumors, then was nobody willing to kind of step up to the plate and say? Hey, maybe we should kind of check this out. I know, and I hear what you're saying, Brandon. I know you kind of put it to your mindset because you're like, okay, I heard it got taken care of, right? And like you said, too, it's not the right way to go, but he wasn't an impact on the roster. Mm. He was a first-round pick. He was considered to be like farther down development kind of player. So you wouldn't really think of him. Yeah, he was drafted out of high school. Yes, exactly. But even still, 
This is a kid that is a part of your organization. If you hear something and you hear it's a player, even if it is a guy that you hear is like not on the high end on with the roster, I would hope that somebody would still make the effort to step up and, and say something to manage him. Be, be a, be an adult, be a person, be a human being that cares about what happens with the human race and somebody in your team, in your organization, whether they're with the Blackhawks or with the Rockford Ice Hogs, you should be showing that same respect to them. What I'm almost just wondering, I don't know if it's already been put out there and said, I'm almost wondering if, because there was a couple of players you said that said that they all knew. Yeah. My only thought is if the front office like, obviously, they knew about the whole thing. Yeah. If they were threatening these players, like, you say anything about this, you're done. Or, like, threaten, yeah. threaten him in a way, like, your career is done here. Right. Or we're, we're getting rid of you or something like that. I, if that is the case, absolutely sick and disgusting from this Blackhawks organization. Because the Blackhawks have been known, like, one of the huge, a great organization. They're considered the top franchise in the NHL. They have absolutely. been for years. And. The fact that they had that this situation going on from the start of they that dynasty they had where they um, the three Stanley Cups yeah. within five years, the fact that they're getting all the praise for those Stanley Cups and you had this going on in the background, yeah, absolutely disgusting. Absolutely, it's it's it's, it's, it's absurd. It's disgusting when you think about the fact that this guy was given the option, given the option, folks of you will either resign or we investigate it. No, 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 no. You're fired and we investigate it. That's how that conversation goes with HR. Not either or. No, 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 no. It's both. This isn't this isn't an option game. And then you don't get to negotiate your, well, I still want my day with the cup in my hometown and I want to ring and I want to be a part of the parade ceremony. And by the way, I think about that parade now. I was there. I was there at the parade. I was celebrating that whole thing as we all were. And hey, what a great day it was to see the Stanley Cup champion Blackhawks, right? And then we all sit in that park and we all see them on that stage. And at the same time, in that park, on that stage, that monster is groping an intern and assaulting them at the same time that these guys are up there celebrating the cup and we're standing in the park celebrating them. That's that that makes it even I think about that now and it's like I, what could I have done you know and obviously what could have anybody have done nobody could see anything but thinking about the fact that this man was allowed to be there and then he gets to hold the cup he has his name on it he gets a ring and then he just gets to walk away from it like nothing happened I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL pulls it from them. They are going. Not, yes. They are going. The, to. Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame did announce it. Yeah, the Wirtz family put in asking for the removal of Brad Aldridge yes. from the Stanley Cup, and it was it was approved uh, over the weekend. It was approved Good. by La Lanny McDonald, the head of the Hall of Fame. They will take his name off the Stanley Cup. It just I I don't I don't want to. Do you want me to go? <laughs> I, I just, I, I just, I just want to say that I this whole situation, just uh, honestly, I, to to be able to stay a fan, I get it, but this is a problem in sports culture, folks. This old boys network that's both I think in hockey and the NHL and just in sports in general. In of, general, if you see something or you hear something and you say nothing, it's gotta stop, because this is what's hurting young men and young women out there constantly and we hear it all the time and we just think of it as a normal thing now it can't be normal this has got to stop being a normalcy in society this young man could have taken his what happens if he takes his life 
What happens if it's not him, but Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taze? They were young guys just like them. What if it would have been one of them? Would it have been more effective? Would it have come out in the forefront? Is it just because it was Kyle Beach? Some, somebody who everybody's like, well, he was a nobody. No, he's somebody. And that needs to be noted. I think, it's, I think it's deserved to be said. Yeah. The thought process could be like, well, we can get another player. Yeah. That's, that's the selfish mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, the fact is, it's not just Kyle Beach. No. Not even in this situation. Yeah. It's not just Kyle Beach. Another there are player. Other, is, there is at least one other John Doe. Yeah. Who is part of these reports. Yes. So it's it's not over by any means as as. This investigation continues, yeah. and we'll see exactly how the league continues to go about this. Th- this I just want to warn Blackhawks fans, this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. This is a scar I'm, that I'm won't te- go away. I'm telling you right now, I I went through it as a, a Penn State fan almost 10 years ago, yeah. if not 10 years ago, with the whole Jerry Sandusky scandal, mm-hmm. and it's the exact same scenario. Yeah. You had a grad assistant coach walk in on it, didn't say a word, went to Paterno, told him what he quote unquote thought he saw. Yeah. Paterno goes to the administration. Paterno did the least amount possible. He did what he was quote unquote supposed to do. I'm sorry. You need to go to the police. Yeah. You need to go to the police. And, And I guess my biggest issue with that that little press conference that Taze did was well I didn't hear anything until the next training season. camp yeah it's great to assume but guess what assuming does it makes an ass out of yourself and by the way too don't go praising Bowman I I mean I get it I understand yeah, don't I understand but this is not the time to start praising people. You cannot like defend. Bowman. You cannot defend anything that goes on in that front office right yeah, now. Yeah, and you can, and I'm, as as a person and as a human being, you cannot do that. And and here's my biggest thing: I get people such as yourself that have been lifetime Blackhawks fans. It doesn't mean that you have to stop cheering for your Blackhawks. Right. No, you absolutely. can love the players. Anybody has to. I, that's the thing that I got out of my experience with Penn State. You still love the players. You still love the football, but you absolute, absolutely have to condone the actions of the higher-ups and the upper management in this scenario where they completely covered up something that has destroyed many lives. And when I say it's probably going to get worse before it gets better... You have what four or five known right now? Yeah, somewhere in there. About I'm gonna guarantee you now that the the seal's been broken because Sandusky started off with five. You know what he ended up with at the trial? Seventy five. Yeah, yeah. I and, and I'm not saying he, look at the Larry Nassar kiss. I, I I know I I'm not one. saying that it's going to get that horrible, but there will be more. And in in for me it it. Just like with Andrew, this this probably touches a, a very specific button for us that we are very passionate about and very, very strong-minded about. It goes beyond sports. It, it does. Absolutely. It, it absolutely does. And for me, th- and that's why I did the, the You're Killing Me Smalls, because to me, this supersedes being a fan. This supersedes being, oh, uh, well, they, no, I, I get that he did what he was supposed to do. 
he, he did the bare minimum. He acknowledged it, but did he do go above and beyond? Because at that point, I don't know if he had the C on him or not. He did. He did he at that captain. point. Okay, so as the captain of that team, my first due diligence would have been, hey, Quinville, what's going on? If Quinville can't give you a straight answer, you go to Bowman. All right, what's going on? I need to know there is a lot of scuttlebutt going on. We need to get this clarified and taken care of because this is not right from an organization and from a team. But for him to say my focus was on other things, no, no. Some things take precedence over winning the next Stanley Cup. I'm sorry. Exactly. And that's the thing is I think – I mean, listen, I know as star players go, sometimes you can only go so far, and I know they were young, but you're telling me as either Kane or Taze, and I'm taking Taze in this point as the captain, you can't even get yourself a meeting with a guy like Danny or Rocky Wirtz and ask just to see, just to see if they know what's going on, if nobody else is going to give you a straight answer, which I know is difficult because it's the CEO and it's the owner, but you're telling me they wouldn't give you the time to possibly be able to talk if even just for two minutes. And then all of a sudden, then they know, and maybe they take care of the situation a lot sooner might've disrupted the Blackhawks dynasty, so to say in that timeline, but at least the situation could have been handled and taken care of then at that point, possibly. I think and correct me if I'm wrong. When did the Kane scandal hit? A couple of years after that, I believe. I was going to say the exact that might have been. He had a lot going on. That might have been when own. Kane had twelve, thirteen. Head, my head down. Oh yeah. Head down. I'm. I'm just looking straight forward. I don't want to make any ripples because I've already made ripples of my own. Yeah. That and the fact, Kane. I. I can kind of not not condoning it, but I can kind of see right. where he did. He probably ignored all the chitter chatter because yeah. he had his own stuff he was trying to deal with. Um. But as far as Taze, yeah. I, it was 2015. 2015. There, there's still like that was young Kane too. That yeah. was really young Kane, where he probably was not paying attention to much of anything but himself. Yeah, yeah. At the time, he he was doing a lot outside of hockey in terms of parties and right. uh, being being a young kid, basically. Yeah, yeah, at the time, Patrick Kane, at least. Well, we're going to move on to something a, a little more positive, at least in terms of Chicago. Uh, and that is the Bulls gave the last unbeaten team their first loss over the weekend. And we'll let you know what they did coming up here on Blow the Whistle. Five-point game again. Here's Levine spinning to Vooch. Big three. Those Chicago Bulls highlights courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago as the Bulls are off to quite a start so far this season. They are on a roll. Those highlights from their 107-99 win over the then-unbeaten Utah Jazz. The Bulls now sit at 5-1 on the year. That one loss, just a one-point loss. 
to the New York Knicks. I was game. at that game. Yeah, so it's Tyler's fault. Yeah. I blame Butterball. Uh, uh, so a question, was... a question out to the listeners: Is Tyler the reason the Bulls have a loss? <laughs> is Tyler the reason the Bulls have a loss? Tyler, <clears throat> jeez, Tyler could we, be undefeated. Yeah, we already know he's the reason the Bengals beat uh, lost to the Jets. Is he also the reason the Knicks? Why you gotta throw this on the <laughs> Beat the Bulls. <laughs> He's going to go home tonight and be like, Em, they were so mean to I'm me. I'm about to sell their car. Why don't they like me? <laughs> <laughs> I was about to sell so their car. Not, not, not only am I having to sell my car, Em, I'm going to sell your car, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, well, but no, but our uh, serious question, though, <laughs> for the fans is, uh, they're uh, clearly off to a great start, off to a roll. But what needs to happen, whether it's something that needs to continue that they're doing right now or that needs to change for them to be able to sustain the success throughout the season and and go on a deep playoff run, what do they either need to keep up or change in order to make that kind of a run? Hit us up Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlowTWhistle1. And Tyler, I'll, I'll throw it to you. What, what do they need to do? Well... What I was uh, going to say after seeing the Knicks game, and uh, granted, they did a great job coming down. They were on a 12-0 run in the last two, two and a half minutes and just came up short. so beautiful. It What? <laughs> it was so beautiful. It was amazing. Because you know we're losing that game by 15 the, in any other year. The best part was... Which was funny, which, shame on you fans. They already started leaving, and I'm like, what are you guys yes, doing? Right. I'm like, you stay till the end. And the whole stadium was going nuts. Yes. Not to mention, it's already expired, but the whole stadium won a free hot dog to Portillo's because Julius Randle did miss two free throws, mm-hmm. and I did not catch it. I was just going to ask. A little upset about it, but it's okay. The Bulls are back. <laughs> You've had a rough week. So, You've had a rough week. Mr. Carno, hot dog from Portillo's. You put up your car for sale. It's been a rough week for Tyler. For Tyler, okay? (laughs) I need to blow the whistle back. (laughs) But, so what I was going to say, after seeing the towards the end of that uh, Bulls and Knicks game, the Bulls were down by like about 15 points at one point. And the the biggest issue that they they carried over from last year was finishing games. And they can get a lead. And even like beginning, like the first few games of the season, they were up by like 20, 25 points, but they were letting up a little too much and making it a little closer than expected, which we all know from seeing how this Bulls team is now, they can blow past teams like who they played 20, 25 points. It's just the whole point is um, to not let up and like let up on the gas. So now seeing against the, the, the Jazz game, the Bulls kept held their own and they had all gas, no breaks that entire game, which was great to see, especially against the number one team in the West right now. Like that, that proves a lot because I've, there was a lot of people that were talking crap to me. They're like, well, they're only going against crappy teams. None of them are really good. I'm like, the bulls are back. Shut up. And (laughs) I'm like, and so at first I was like really bummed that they lost the Knicks, but I'm like, despite the loss, they still proved themselves that they're proving themselves. They, they can are. Hang with them. They can definitely yeah. hang with them. And the Knicks are. Ta- you're talking about a team that was in the playoffs last year. Yeah. So, and, and now RJ Barrett all of a sudden knows how to play basketball again for the yeah. Knicks. Dude, so. that was something else to see. I, mean, I wasn't expecting that. Weird. No. Just oh, weird. Real but, quick. So, oh. But I, I want to bring this up to you before I forget, Tyler. Yes. Not all good news out of Bulls Nation. Yeah. Injury front. Yes. No. That that. You're, that is one you, thing. You done lost. 
your boy. I know. My boy Patrick Williams. Your boy Patrick Williams is out for the season. The paw. Now, question to you, Brandon, and and Andrew, because I, I've I've heard whispers. Mm-hmm. Whispers. Bagley Jr.? I'd be happy with it. I heard those rumors, and I do like that. I like that. They need they the Bulls do because they're, they're, they're they're depleted it forward. Yes. At oh, point. they are. There's they don't I'm, really have much else in the depth, and yeah. they need more. They need another guy to grab rebounds. Yes. That's the that's been their biggest issue is that they they allow a lot. Of, they've been at least in the against in the Knicks game when I was watching. They allow a lot of offensive boards. What did I, what did I tell you? I said I said if they go out and get Bagley Junior. This is the conversation that that Donovan needs to have with Bagley as he walks in the door, sir. You are Dennis Rodman. I don't want you to score points. <laughs> Absolutely, Just no, yeah. Defense and rebound, sir. The Bulls don't need any more scores. They have, they have enough. They offense have as enough it is. offense on that team. But yeah. that brings that brings up another great question. You make that trade for Bagley Jr. Is Kobe White part of that trade? Yes. 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 It's gonna be I've a three. It. It's gonna be a three-team trade because they're gonna have to trade out one of their guards. I've seen enough of Io that I'd be okay with keeping Io over Kobe White. He's, I love Kobe White, hell of a scorer, but Io's a two-way guy, two-way unless, player. Unless Kobe White can show that he can add more, like we, because I and I think he could, but it all kind of depends because Troy Brown Jr. right now and Javante Green have been hitting it from three. And that's so key for them coming off the bench to have those three-point shooters. And Caruso has already shown the ability to be able to run the point and have those guys play guard and forward and just say, I can dish it out to one of them. I'll take the shot myself. I'll drive it inside and dunk it on some fool that thinks he can actually stop me. Like, they're, the bench we have, it's not bench mob, but it's getting there. I, Give them I, more time. They I, can honestly, get there. I think that was the one thing that people didn't think the Bulls have had this year Ali and the, Kron, depth, the way what the, de- what the Donovan, depth on that bench right now is redunk yeah. but the thing that, that's what Donovan his rotation with these guys is phenomenal absolutely amazing yeah spot like, on he's he's at least having one maybe two starters out at a time with bench players so at least one or two of the starting five is out there, which is great it's, to have. It's so nice to see good basketball being played in Chicago. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I haven't seen that in a oh while. Oh my god! But like, I guess, I guess you're sold on. Is it Io or Ao? Io. 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 He has confirmed it. Yes. Confirmation. Io. I'll be saying Ao you're, every time you're he scores, convinced though. on Io. From what now, I've seen, I've. I liked him. He's, I he's watched, still got his rookie slip ups, but from what he with his skill set, he's he's a overall. Granted, great he was guarding guard. probably one of the top tier guards. Yeah, yeah. Again, and that's wh- the thing with the Jazz and and ma- being made to look a fool. Yeah, but once again, that is a rookie probably going to the coaches just like Patrick did last year and saying. I want to guard this guy. How am I going to get better if I don't guard the best of the best? Right. Well, and you can see too, the he's active. He's he's active on defense, and that's what you want from a guard, right? We haven't seen that level of activity, and now we have it on two guys. We have it on Caruso. We have it on Ball. And now you add in Io to that mix. I mean, 
do I think he's going to be with the Bulls for the long term? He might go back down to the Windy City Bulls. They might give him some time off, which then obviously I know some of our boys here who do the Windy City Bulls will be happy to see the, the local Windy boy Bulls. do it. It's kind but, of hoping he'd see. Yeah, uh, Tyler yeah. and I had a talk the other day at the, when we worked the Windy Got City Bulls pregame. <laughs> yeah, he's we we we'd like to see him there at least for a game. Yeah. Go out yeah. and get an interview. I would. Uh, <laughs> it sounds terrible. I would hope he get just an injury so they can come back. I would say um, I would say this much, and and the highlight for me watching watching the game yesterday was the the almost half court oop that ball through to oh, Levine yeah. like it was nothing. That's the thing. Like it was nothing, <sighs> and it was spot on. That's the thing about this team. They they. They're having fun. They're having fun. They're playing well together, and they're enjoying playing together. And you can see, when Levine's not going, DeRozan, hey, Rob Parker, oh, he ain't going to fit. Chicago is the Siberia of the NBA. You wrong, my man. You wrong. You sorry and you wrong. It is DeMar DeRozan time, folks. He is stepping up. You got Vooch down low. You've got a team that anybody can score. Anybody can step up. Well, Vooch has got to be close to be average in a double-double. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think Absolutely. he's just around there at yeah. least. It seems like every time I check check the box scores, it's another double-double. And that's the great thing, too, is that you think Vooch can, he can still score. You know he can, but he's playing more of that center role of being the seven-footer saying, all I got to do is collect rebounds, dish it out to Lonzo. He'll dish it out to the next guy. I got three different, four different guys that could possibly score out there at any time. What do I have to always be scoring the ball for? So, yes, and when he scores his points, it's awesome. But you see, they've got chemistry. They've got connection. They've got cohesion. It's what they need. They got those three C's running right now, and it's excellent. It's feeding into why this team is having such a great start. Here's, you brought up. Here's the most important question, though, for a Chicago team. Is their collaboration? <laughs> I know we have we have one Chicago team that has it. Yeah, right. One team has they a whole bunch collaboration. Of it. I think there's another couple words we can use. <laughs> you know, you you brought up Lonzo Ball, and I just want to stay say from the beginning. I've heard a lot of people upset about the Bulls picking up Lonzo Ball. I, I was one of them. I know I'll you freely were. admit I was one I, of them. I, I absolutely I thought it was a bad move. I absolutely loved it, and from what I'm. Hoping to see, and this is going to be, I'm going to call it, I could, would not be surprised. I could see Lonzo Ball, the most improved player of the year this year coming on to Chicago. Because yes. he's got not only, like last night, four, four steals. Yeah. He's a d ball hawk. And he's got his shot down, everyone. He doesn't have that weird crooked uh, shot that he's blinding his eyes with his arm. <laughs> well, he can actually sink these three points, like I said, in uh, you could hear in our uh, show open, forty percent from three point last year, and he's still draining these shots. So he's all around guy, and he's grabbing boards as well. Here's the crazy part: you have him as a potential uh, comeback player of the year, yeah, or or most improved most improved player, yeah. and you probably have Caruso on that list for best six man. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. So, I mean... The way that he's coming off the bench getting steals and then being able to score and set up everybody else to score. And high flying for the dunks. Oh, my God. It's Lob unbelievable. City, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> We're back, baby. Thing. We're back! <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's amazing to me. Well, I, what, we, were talking, we were talking at the beginning of the year we'd be happy with what? Like five to eight seed? Yeah, in the East now I'm 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 still saying it. I said it from the beginning of the season. Top four, 
I, I would say I would be I wouldn't be surprised with top four. I mean, there's a lot of things that got to go right. First and foremost, you you you've stay been healthy. you've been stay healthy. Yes. You've been helped. <laughs> you've been helped one. out by someone who does just has decided that you know vaccinations aren't his thing. And <sighs> good on you, sir, for 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 being that guy. But it's going to cost that team. It's about people getting their yeah, jobs and everything. Three, you know, you know yeah. I, uh, other than that, I the Knicks. <laughs> I'm waiting for the shoe to drop with the Knicks, like every year. Oh yeah, that's uh, they'll come back to Earth eventually. I'm sure. Give it to the All Star break. I think it'll the Heat. Happen. The Heat is the the one team that I think is going to make a big. Heat stink. are looking good. I they are like they're coming up a surprise. They have the biggest point differential on points scored and points allowed yeah. in the league right now. They're seventeen. Well, they played de- they played defense last year like it was going out of style, and now that they've got scoring to go along with it. I mean, Kyle Lowry has been a huge upgrade for them at the point guard. That spot. was a huge. I really, I and I will, I will eat my crow on this one too because I really thought I'm like this isn't gonna work for the Heat. No, I'm totally wrong. Veteran point guard, totally leading the team. Jimmy Butler's like, oh, finally, I don't need to take every shot. I can finally pass it off to somebody. It's nice. And you know what? You saying that? I was just gonna say, I'm seeing that a lot of Levine too. Obviously, this yeah. is Levine's team, but he's letting. Like like we were talking about DeRozan, DeRozan. Go. he's taking over and he's like go for it. He's yeah. like so I don't have to keep doing this every freaking night. You know where he got that right? Right. Thank the Olympics for that. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I said it. From I'm not. The get, so, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I said it from the get. I think him going to the Olympics was probably the best thing that could have happened. Absolutely, because he found out that he didn't have to be the almighty to to be on a championship right. team. Well, I think he found himself too, and I think. It also, I think it's also kind of awoken people to who Levine is. Like, oh, this guy is not just the slam, hot shot on the average team. Now, or a slam dunk contest yeah, champion. He's, going, he's so much more. He's, he's playing himself into a nice contract he, from Chicago. He's becoming, like I've always said, he needed to become the guy. He's looking more and more like the guy. I will, I will also say this much, and, and this is just apart from, from the Bulls, who who took who took the 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 electronic paddles to Carmelo Anthony's career? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I Dude, guess, he's balling. I guess maybe LeBron. <laughs> he's balling. He makes all the decisions in he's LA. Like, he's like fine wine. <laughs> he must better, be better with age. Yeah. All of a sudden. It's mellow this, mellow that out of out you know of what? L.A., man. I'm like, what, where, what, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. He took all the energy away from Russell Westbrook. That's why. I must because it makes sense. Yeah. Because who else could get a quadruple double with ten turnovers? Oh wait, James Harden. That's right. <laughs> it's, bad, it's all those old old OKC guys. Just hey, going. at least for the Bulls' sake, we brought it within one point. What's your excuse, L.A.? I twenty six point differential, and you can't hold that. Got bored with basketball? I just, I'm sorry. I had to get that out. I had to get that out. It's it's a the okay. See, man, come on. The the absolute just shock and awe of some of these early season scores has been really really nice oh, to yeah. see. Yeah. You know, it, no one no one in their right mind was going. You know what? The Knicks are the best team in New York right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Clippers might be one of the worst. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. What is gone with them? I don't know. Paul, what George, happened? Paul George has finally turned into the basketball player that everybody thought he was, choking every single game, not just in the playoffs. Yeah, it's such a good start, too, in, like, the first couple <laughs> games, and then all of a sudden it's... Can we... 
just real quick because we're talking about point differentials. Can we just also acknowledge the Bulls have one of the lowest points allowed? Yes. And have I not been complaining about that all last yeah, year? Defense. <laughs> defense Mr. is there. Mr. Defense, defense over here. I know. Uh, defense. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but like we were saying last year, that was the one thing that was holding them back last year. They yeah. were top. They were up there in offense. Yeah. They point were scoring. Points scoring all over the place. And yeah. if they could hold a team under 100, they had a great chance to win the game. And they've done an incredible job this year. Like, like, again, Ball, Caruso, yeah. even I even throw it to Tony Bradley. That guy coming off the bench even adds those rebounds and gets those block shots. And everybody was like, why are we signing him? You can not see him in Utah. That guy was coming in for Rudy Gobert, and it was like they didn't even miss a beat. That guy was blocking shots and grabbing rebounds just like Rudy Gobert. And now he's on our squad, folks. Guess what? It got better. We play defense now. And even Levine gets the steals and the blocks. And that's, that's something not, he never did. And nope. that's not even accounting for for that young guy from Europe that you were talking about. That Simonovic. You Simonovic. Simonovic, mm-hmm. who... Oh, when he Andrew, gets, he's going to be good. Andrew, Andrew's already said that, like, <sighs> they're going to let Vooch pl- out, play out his contract, mm-hmm. and then it's going to be... Me and Brandon saw him at yeah. Windy City. We did. Yeah. He did not impress, though, in that first yeah, game. He, he, he had a rough time. Good. Give him time. I'll be honest. The, he's, the he's whole Windy get, City team did got, not look good in that he's game. He's got to get <laughs> used. scrimmage. It was okay. As everyone loves to say, they got to get used to the American basketball and not the European style. Give him a year or two. He'll yeah. be there. He He'll has a there. sweet three-point shot. He's He's got a shot. He can dunk, which somebody who was a former... European player that used to play forward on this team just would not do because he's like, I'm a guard. Lay it up. Euro step. Come on, Laurie. You're 7-2. <laughs> Dunk on him. Hey, he's the man right now. Yeah. Don't, don't on, a, on a team full of he, he threw it down in Cleveland. <laughs> he threw it down in Cleveland like oh, a yeah, few days ago. Who the hell dunk. did he dunk on? I totally forgot. Doesn't matter. He's not a bull. <laughs> so it's a Cavalier. I, I, cares. I, I'll be honest with you. Like, for me, it's exciting to see the town get excited again. Yes. For yeah. Bulls. Um, see the red back. By the way, yeah, the stadium, absolutely filled. Yeah. Like, I, I went to, I remember before COVID, that was the last time I went to a Bulls game, obviously. And. It was like no one there. Like you can't. It was a ghost town. Yeah. And now it's seeing a whole full stadium of I Bulls think, fans because they know the Bulls are bad. I think yeah. the I think the preseason helped that out quite a bit. Like oh, absolutely. everybody was just ready for that undefeated preseason. Yeah. Well, you remember you remember twenty nineteen. It goes a long, goes hey, a long yeah. way, man. When it's not your team, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well, you remember twenty nineteen? They dropped from number one in the nation in attendance, or for the NBA in attendance, they went to eleven. For the first time in like 20 plus years. And what happened right after that? They fire Foreman. They fire Paxson. They move into these new guys. It's a whole new world. Now everybody's like, well, now I want to go back to the United Center. Now they look good. Now we're back at, the Bulls are back at being the show that you want to see in the United Center. Instead of being just the, you want to go see a Bulls game? Now it's like, you want to go see a Bulls game? Like now there's enthusiasm in your voice. Not like, only that, it dragged. My friend asked me that. Yeah, it was between that and medieval times. We chose medieval times, but probably should have went with the Bulls. To be honest with you, and your night one though, didn't he? No. Oh, okay. He didn't, oh. Darn it! Quit reminding me. <laughs> but not only no, that. the red night one, not the red, oh, red right. and yellow, my red bad. and yeah, yellow. Yeah, my bad. But not only that, that brings. Not only does it bring in fans, but like for the future. That's going to bring more players to want yes. to come and play Chicago. See, and I think so that's, then the Bulls, organ, like this team, 
could just Sells keep itself. rolling. I, I think each, that's each where season. Levine's going to be critical because I think he learned how to recruit while he was at the Olympics. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I'll say so. <laughs> <laughs> you, these offseason moves were absolutely oh, yeah. insane. But I, that being said, you know, there, there's this is this is a microcosm of what it could be. Absolutely. And in my opinion right now, we went over the power rankings. I think there's maybe one team in the East that they they are below, and that's probably the Heat right now. Yeah. The Nets are... S- <laughs> <laughs> the Nets are the Nets. Yeah. Um, and Biggest surprise is Milwaukee. Well, I, I'm t- yeah. Here's the thing about Milwaukee. Well, you know, hanging at 10. you know who they're they're missing. Yeah, they're missing Tucker. Yeah, yeah, that's they true. They never thought they'd miss him, and they miss him so yeah. much, <laughs> so much. But I, that's the thing is, like, I think they've got the the ability to be one of those upper echelon teams this year. Yeah, which I don't think anybody saw coming. No, this is the year to really kind of grab a hold of the. Grab the bull by the horns and be able to control their own destiny yeah, at this like, point. Yeah, yeah. Grab the bull. Yeah. That was a good one. I'll leave now. That's the best I got. Um, that was a good Irish dad joke. Thank you. Thank you. No, I honestly, they have the ability to take control of this whole Eastern Conference and their division, in fact, too, because where the Milwaukee Bucks are at right now, now that they don't, like you said, they don't have P.J. Tucker there to kind of be an enforcer, kind of be that kind of Dennis Rodman type guy to annoy people, they have to kind of man up themselves. And listen... Middleton's improved. Giannis is still who he is, and they have Drew Holiday, but they're they're getting older. I mean, not Giannis. Giannis is still young, but the other two guys they are getting older. You can kind of see them slowing up a little bit, and Giannis has to step up the brakes. He's going to step up a lot more. So the hope is that the Bulls can take advantage of the Milwaukee Bucks at this point in time while they're down, because <laughs> Detroit's not coming after them. <laughs> the Pistons may be a surpriser, but I doubt it at this point. They're just there's not enough there to hang their hats on. I'm not worried about Cleveland at this point. I mean, they might block a lot of shots, but they're not scoring a lot at this point. Pacers don't have a chance. Yeah, man, it's just it's at the bottom. The, the the central division is really the Bulls' opportunity to kind of step up and and take advantage. Yeah, well, the Bulls, their tough stretch continues. They've got the Celtics tonight, and then they have two against Philly and one in, uh, or rather, hosting Philly's Brooklyn. So yeah, there, there's Ben Simmons. Yeah, let me <laughs> shut up. A, a lot of tough basketball, a lot of good basketball. Yeah, coming oh, up yes. here, but so far the Bulls have been up for the test, and they've played extremely well. That's why they are tied for the best record in the NBA right now. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have here today on Blow the Whistle. Thank you to everyone who stuck with us for the full three-hour show, three-hour marathon that we just put on. And if you couldn't stick with us for the entire time, if you couldn't donate a full three hours of your time, we understand. We do. Uh, But you can still listen to our show. You can still listen to the recordings of our show as we put them up on Anchor.fm, on Spotify, Quad Pond Network, iHeartRadio, Google podcast apple podcast just about anywhere you can go to listen to a podcast you can find blow the whistle and if there's a spot that you can't find it let us know hit us up on facebook instagram and twitter at blow t whistle one that's at b-l-o-w-t-w-h-i-s-t-l-e one and let us know so that we can get our show onto that podcasting site so that you can listen to it then on your favorite podcasting network but that unfortunately is all the time that we have today thank you for sticking with 
with us. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. And a special thanks, of course, to everyone from the Under the Hood podcast, all our Under the Hood listeners. We greatly appreciate you. We appreciate all of our listeners as well. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for sticking with us as we are back. We are back after two weeks off. We hope to continue to keep this going. Our next show will be next Monday from 2 to 4 p.m. here on SportstownChicago.com. On behalf of David Dykstra, Tyler Butabaugh, Andrew Valentin, I'm Brandon Januska, and this was Blow the Whistle on SportstownChicago.com.